My beautiful bastard of friends, male and female, he and she, they and them, and everything in between. We don't discriminate against genders here, because it's 2020, bitch. Hey, look, if you really, really, really want me to call you, like, Z, fucking I'll do it. I don't care. I don't give a shit. If you really want that, you just gotta tell me. I'd do it. I'll call you whatever you want, baby. That was sexual, guys. I'm not supposed to be sexual on the podcast. I have a wife. Don't get any ideas. But what idea you should get is that this is the greatest gaming podcast on planet Earth, and it happens to be the one true gaming podcast. The only gaming podcast where you can be assured all the information is rock solid. Don't need to question it. Do not think for yourself. Just listen to me, because I talk to the gaming gods, Miyamoto, the father of Kojima, the son, and Carmack, the Holy Ghost. We're homies, and they talk to me on a regular basis. They can commanded me and appointed me out of all 7 billion people on planet Earth. I'm the most special, and I'm the one in charge of creating the one true gaming podcast and representing the gaming gods here on planet Earth, because they live in other planets. They got a bunch of planets. I mean, have you, have you played the game Doom? The Makers? The Anarchon? Whatever. The, that's like one race. I think Miyamoto's that race. Kojima. He's fucking the race. Who knows? He's like pure energy manifested into a human body. Kind of like Jesus. I mean, he is Kojima the sun. The point being is sit back, turn your brain off, and listen to me and my guest who is who is the guest today it's fucking keb my buddy keb keb is a legitimate nomad he is like a digital nomad a new age nomad if you ever heard of henry rawlings if you ever heard of henry rawlings check him out he's got like a bunch of he's been on a billion different podcasts i heard him on rogan oh i know oh fucking rogan everybody listens to rogan rogan's like fucking oprah for men you big dummy yeah well he's entered goddamn taining sue me i heard him on rogan he me a river. Look, he's a badass. And he basically has made fuck you money and he travels the world and writes poetry and just visits. He doesn't even get told. He has a lady, his travel agent, that just essentially picks a place, doesn't even tell him where he's going, tells him what to pack. He shows up at the airport and he'll fly somewhere with a one-way ticket and he'll live there until he gets sick of living there. And then he'll live somewhere else. And he just writes and does poetry. He lives that romantic nomad lifestyle that everyone kind of dreams about but no one actually has the balls to do. Well, my buddy Keb is is essentially the same thing, but a 2020 version. He, uh, I've known this guy for a long time. He's a hardcore gamer, hardcore gamer. Dude's been gaming since I met him. We we bonded over gaming. Spoiler alert: we bonded over smoking the devil's lettuce. Oh no, they've been getting high on the reefer. Yeah, back in the day. We grew up in, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Utah. You probably do know this. Utah's got a lot of Mormons. It's a very religious community, especially in Utah County, south of Salt Lake. Salt Lake's been chill for a long time. Utah County, hmm, not so much. So Kevin and I bonded because we were part of the underground, the apostates, the devils, the sinners. Those who partook of the devil's lettuce were not welcome in the halls of Valhalla. We weren't welcome, so we had to do it on the DL. And back in the day, it was almost, like you were choosing sides. You you would be immediately exiled from having a friendship with a large portion of the local population if you were open about smoking weed. Well, Kevin and I both were open. We were like, fucking rip that band-aid off. If you don't want to be my homie, if you don't want to date me, if you if you want to like fine. 
but I smoke weed and I like it. And I remember Keb being one of the first people who was just very open, didn't attempt to hide it. And where I grew up, that wasn't normal. It, it, it wasn't normal. And it took me a while to get there too. I definitely kept it on the DL, especially when I was a teenager. Shit, my parents would have beat my ass. Woo! Dad would have gotten that damn hose. By the time they found out I was, I was too old and they couldn't really do shit about it. So yeah, I definitely played that game. I know what it's like to keep the smoking of the reefer on the DL. Well, Kev and I were both pretty open about it, but it's, it, we bonded because once you were open about it, like I said, you, I mean, that meant somewhere between 30 to maybe upwards of 50% of the local population, whether you're college, no matter what party you went to, no matter whose house you went to, a lot of people were going to be not chill with you because a lot of people are extremely religious. So Kevin and I bonded under shared persecution. We were outcasts. The women thought we were unclean. They would not touch our penises. You weren't supposed to be touching penises anyway. That's against the rules too. Anyway, I've been homies with Kev for a long time. I've known him for a long time. Super honest, super chill, super gamer. He has a fire Instagram. I will put <clears throat> Excuse me. Speaking of smoking weed. <laughs> like I said last episode, I smoke too much reefer. Kev actually convinced me to stop smoking uh, out of a pipe or combustion without any filtration. Uh, we, we didn't catch that whole conversation on the podcast. It was before the podcast started. We had like an hour conversation, which I wish we would have recorded because it was awesome. That's why it was an hour. But he talked a lot about why combustion is bad for you and why I should be smoking weed from a vape. Or at least with some water filtration, which I did. After this, after I recorded this podcast, I bought a what a new water pipe. Because, and it, it's better, but my lungs are still getting fucked up. And I got to graduate. I think I'm going to buy a volcano. Woo! Yeah, volcano. If you don't know, the volcano is like the Rolls Royce of weed smoking. That baby is smooth as ice. Probably going to snag one of those. Hey, where was I? <sighs> oh, yeah. Keb is dope. Keb plays games. Keb smokes weed. And he just recently was diagnosed with cancer. Whoo, that took a left turn fast. I bet you're like, fuck, why do my balls feel like they're in my heart? That's because it took a left turn. Keb's got cancer. Good news though, Keb's cancer originally was a really bad diagnosis. Now the diagnosis is much better. He's probably gonna be fine. And I'm fine today. Uh, and he talks about it. So forewarning, we talk about cancer and then we talk about video games. And then we talk about like uh, conspiracy theories. Ooh, juicy conspiracy theories. Fair warning, you should not take anything that either of us two bona fide old man potheads. Seriously, because we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But it's fun. It's fun to talk about shit you don't know about. We don't know what we're talking about, but we had a good time, and uh, we are both ready for our robot overlords to turn our flesh meat bags into dust and to transcend this physical form and to upload our consciousness into the net and evolve into the next form of our being. Kebulator. Keb, U-L-T-R. Make sure you give him a like. Make sure you give him a follow. He has a badass Instagram. His stories are legitimately entertaining. And as always, remember, share the good news of the gaming gospel. Don't be a dick. Tell people about the podcast and you'll be blessed. It's that simple. I say these things in the name of Miyamoto Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack, the Holy Ghost. Enjoy the show. Amen. What's up, dude? Nothing much. Just got to Utah. I wish we were recording a, a bunch of the shit we were talking about. It's all good. I know you game a lot. We're gonna we'll get into the games, but I want 
Talk about your cancer story so far, because I think that's like an interesting part. Yeah, absolutely. I have been struggling with a lot of knee pain for the past three to four years. And I got um, a job in Utah where I was just working at a call center. And I noticed it was just persisting after I was using like the elliptical and playing basketball. And I didn't know why it was hurting at work when I was just sitting down at a call center. So I went to the doctor here at Intermountain Healthcare, right kind of by Murray or whatever, and got uh, x-ray, met with a doctor, inspected everything around my right knee and said that there wasn't a problem. And so I didn't think much of it. And he told me to ice it and, and uh, use some ibuprofen, thought it was some sort of an activity related sprain or something like that. So that's exactly what I did for years. Um, I just took ibuprofen and it was a very intermittent pain that from 2017 up until about three months ago was really deal like I could deal with it. I just, I thought it was some sort of a, in my head, I was just I, I was putting it off. I kept like giving myself excuses on why not to get it checked out again yeah. because it did nothing happened the first time. And so I didn't really trust the medical industry a whole lot anyways, kind of just going rogue and, and traveling a lot. And so I didn't really check it out. But what ended up happening was I was in LA this summer doing uh, sales and I was longboarding on an electric longboard and I was going like 40 miles an hour, not 40. I was going like, <laughs> I was going like really, really fast. I was going probably like 25 to be honest. Yeah. Um, um, I was just flying and it, it, these are like the fastest little electric longboards you can, money can buy. Um, but they're from China and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 of course. and I, I straight kamikaze off this, uh, off this, um, longboard. And I just ended up having a near death experience where I wasn't wearing a helmet or anything. I've got the video on my phone. I was recording while I was on the longboard. And uh, yeah, what ended up happening was I cut up both my wrists real bad and I cut up my shoulder real bad and ended up having to go get um, one of those uh, shots, the tetanus shot. And so since I got the tetanus shot and everything and I was I was feeling like off and stuff and I was like, I, I've got some health issues right now. I knew I knew something wasn't right in, 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 with my mental health, with my physical health, all that. And so um, I knew my knee problem was getting worse because I was limping. I literally couldn't walk at that point and so this had, thing it just never did you have any periods of time where it felt like it was getting better it was just constant it was so intermittent that it mm. would be like hell one day and oh. i couldn't even notice it the next oh that is weird so with that kind of pain where it's not fully chronic you don't and, and because i was doing so good with self-medicating smoking weed taking ibuprofen not eating like super shitty but still compared to what the health that I'm at now, like, yeah, just basically kind of like in survival mode, just ignoring it. And so kind of backtracking to the longboarding accident, after I got that shot and my scab started healing, I was limping around and I was like, I've got to get this taken care of because I, I'm kind of falling apart here. Something, some stuff is messed up with me. And, and so I, I remember specifically going over to a doctor. I called around to a couple different orthopedic specialists and I found one in a town like five minutes away where I was at in LA and I ended up getting an x-ray from this guy and this x-ray pulled up as um, cancer right away. And he told me, Hey, like, I know it's a Friday, but I'm just going to let you know that this looks like a tumor, this cloudy stuff right here on the x-ray. This looks like cancer. And that was when I was shook. The perfect way to describe it is that movie scene where the camera zooms out 
and the actor actress has that blank stare. That was just me, just kind of just like a deer in the headlights. Surreal. Absolutely surreal. You're. What year are you born? Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. You're a couple years. All right. So, <coughs> excuse me. Damn son, I gotta stop sh- smoking that butane, butane shit. Yep. Side note, he just schooled me on why I gotta stop smoking weed out of a regular pipe with a regular lighter. And I think he's right. I had already been suspicious that the lighter was causing problems. Combustion in general causes problems. Combustion. Yeah. So you're introducing so many other chemicals to weed when you're combusting it. It's just the truth. Yeah. And I was I really underestimated that. For years. I mean, I've been smoking weed for, Jesus, 12, 13 years, like pretty mm-hmm. consistently. It's catching up to me. I haven't, you know what's weird? I've, I've been doing the same thing with the, the uh, cancer. I was, I put off the coughing attacks because then I'll go train. I breathe fine. Like I never have a problem breathing when I'm like working out. I never cough. So I thought like, that must mean I'm fine. But your story is kind of making me think maybe not. You can't just put something off because it's not chronic. Yeah. Um, especially like when you get into your thirties, that was when the writing was on the wall. And I think it's pretty much the same for everyone. Yep. So you are, that, that was the reason I asked your age or the year that you were born. That puts you at like 32 when this happened? Uh, 33? 33, yeah. 33? 33, yeah. All this happened this year. Right after my 33rd birthday, yeah, exactly. So you that's the surreal moment where like, you think I'm too young to have cancer. Like, how is this happening? Or did you uh, accept it pretty quick? I didn't think that I was too young to have cancer. I, it was more of just a, a WTF moment. Yeah. How, how are we on language with this? Say what? What are we doing for language on this podcast? Whatever you want to say. All right. That yeah. was my, that was my what the fuck moment. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. That was my big, um, WTF moment was, um, just how, where, how? why, yeah. all those questions. And, um, the thing was, is as the doctor said I had cancer, no, excuse me. He's, he said, this looks like cancer. Cause just the x-rays, exactly. they have to get it tested to officially say, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they re- refer you to the oncologist, that's when, you know, actually speaking of which, that's when I got my first tattoo and which you hit me up about, which is really cool. Cause you were kind of like, Hey man, you went and got her done. And I was like, yeah, we you know we grew up kind of the same sort of values and everything yeah. else like that. Tattoos. No, no. The big no, and no. To wait, and to wait, you know, like so late in the game, you know, to get one was kind of like a big thing compared to most people that, you know, typically get one on their 18th birthday or whatever. Yeah. By most people, non LDS. But um, yeah, I kind of backtrack into that. Um, so right when I got referred to the oncologist, I went and got a double sword uh, tattoo to symbolize the battle because I knew I had a fight ahead of me with mm-hmm. cancer. So this is before you heard about the even the first diagnosis. By the time I got my x-ray and I met with him, I, I had Google. And so yeah. I could pretty much figure out that it was osteosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma, but we'll save the other one for later. Anyways, I pretty much knew it was osteosarcoma. I went to an oncologist at USC because that's who uh, the orthopedic specialist referred me to. And so going in and meeting up with uh, him was super cool because I got to have my sister there with me. And thank God, because I was a wreck. Um, Leading up to that moment, true fight or flight feelings are Mm. really um, at play. Uh, Very, very primitive type of feelings uh, are there because you realize nothing else matters. There's, There's everything else in the world, you know, that you've been occupying, you know, your mind with, your heart, whatever. 
and now you have one thing. There's only one thing. That's survival if you want to stick around, you know what yeah. I mean? And so, um, yeah. And so going into that, um, my sister flew down from uh, Washington to LA. So she was like a little, uh, you know, Beverly Hillbilly kind of going from our little farm town and stuff to uh, to LA for her first time was kind of like, she was just like, whoa. Oh, that was her first time. Kind of, yeah. She had gone to like Disneyland and stuff, mm, but like that's not my the, version of yeah. LA is like... <laughs> I'm in the trenches. I, I, I like it. Yeah. To a certain extent. We'll talk about that. But anyways, so going back to the oncologist, he inspects my knee, looks at the printed x-rays and I didn't have insurance yet. So I had to pay like 500 bucks out of pocket. Thanks for the dono, by the way. No worries. Yeah. So I had to pay a bunch of money for that. And then he confirmed at that time pre-biopsy that um, it was most likely osteosarcoma. And that's what he hit me with. In, in hindsight, um, and talking with other friends, that's what doctors do is they hit you with the worst the at worst first, first. Yeah. because it can only get better from there. Mm. And then uh, after... And, and for those who don't know, mm. I didn't know until I talked to my brother who had cancer. Osteosarcoma is... It's a bitch of a strain. Very lethal. Yeah. It's not a good one. No. No chemo, right? Like it doesn't respond to chemo. Oh, it, 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 yeah. No, you got to do aggressive, aggressive chemo to get it shrunk down. And then you got to rip out your bone and replace it with metal. It's called yeah. LSS, limb salvage Oof. surgery. So that's what you went home like, okay, this that's is That's why I had happen. the two swords on there. I knew it was a battle and, and yeah. I knew it was osteosarcoma. Well, at that time I had the understanding that it was osteosarcoma. So then we move on to the biopsy. So I, uh, I get to my biopsy at like five in the morning and, uh, get all, you know, dressed up for surgery, get sliced open and come to, and the oncologist says, you've got, uh, lymphoma. And I said, what? And he's like, yeah, you don't have osteosarcoma. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, that's good. And I'm just like, what? And, uh, how did that feel? I mean, you're, you're smiling ear to ear. Yeah. Yeah. That was good yeah. shit. Yeah, I, I'm just like I'm, I'm. I'm like, wait, what? Why is he? Why is he saying that's good? This whole time, I thought I've basically had a death sentence because I had ha- been carrying the disease for so long. Yes, and this is a type of cancer that metastasizes and spreads to your lungs and. I was having issues with my lungs at the time as well. And I had a couple little nodules that popped up on my first scan. And yeah, I really thought I had a fatal um, disease. And I ended up in the ER twice in between the biopsy and the uh, original meet with my um, oncologist. Oh, no. Uh, One was a nervous breakdown. The other one was a panic attack. Yeah, full. Just the stress of the whole thing, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you, uh, you lose everything, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm very stable, all that mentally. Like people often like refer to me for like any sort of like crisis with like mental health or like, you know, any sort of like emotional advice people usually like hit me up for, or like, will talk to me a lot about, you know, but with this, you know, I just thought I ended up in the ER twice to get scanned, to get, uh, uh, an ER to get an x-ray of my chest because I thought I couldn't breathe because I was having like some issue with my lungs. And then I had another, um, uh, thing at the ER where they did a ultrasound of my tumor because my tumor was just it was growing and I couldn't um I couldn't figure out what was going on it was just throbbing I have a throbbing softball sized tumor oh yeah yeah like this was like this was yeah full on like big bulgy cancer type shit like crazy man yeah and late in the game too I didn't catch this shit early yeah that's the so yeah. you get you get the you get the results like oh my god then they just and then they tell you this is a much more treatable version. So yeah, actually they didn't tell me anything. 
and I was high <laughs> as fuck on Percocets. And so, and, and That's so, true. and so I got my, uh, I got my paperwork back, my discharge paperwork, and it said leukemia. They had miscoded my paperwork to leukemia. So for a few days, I thought I had leukemia and I hit up um, a Facebook group. This uh, Facebook group that I hit up was called um, uh, Osteosarcoma. And when I hit them up with my biopsy results, they're like, hey, you don't belong here, man. You're good. Um, and I actually had to do some Googling because they miscoded my uh, diagnosis code as leukemia. Um, it when was it, lymphoma. Yeah, instead of lymphoma. Yeah. When What I really had was the, the official diagnosis that I ended up with after my other doctor appointment once I got my stitches out from the biopsy was diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, primary lymphoma of bone, right distal femur. Damn. You, dude, you rattle that off without a single slip up. Yep. You got it down. You've been telling, you've been telling people, friends no, and family. No, I don't. No. Oh, really? I was no, impressed. I don't, I don't really. I'm impressed. Everybody's, honestly, my family's like shook around me. Like my sister comes down with like with my dad and they're expecting to like take care of me and stuff. And I'm like driving them around and shit. And like nice. after chemo, I'm like yeah. taking off. Yeah. And that's what I kind of wanted to get in. So yeah. I liked what you were saying about all the things you did to prep your body for chemo mm-hmm. so that you could handle it and recover from it. Because chemo is notorious for wiping people out. They're yeah. just feeling like shit. And you, as you mentioned today, you're up. I, I couldn't quite hear what what's the time frame between your last treatment and today. I got chemo on Friday. Okay. You got chemo Friday. That was my fourth cycle. And it obviously gets- so a few days later and you're yeah. hiking a mountain. Yeah. 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 So what, if you were uh, to say like, okay, the, the idea I had when you were telling me like, all right, if this helps his body deal with the strain of chemo, what would it do for someone who doesn't get chemo? I'd probably feel like, and I'm, I'm curious, kind of like give a rundown of your regimen of uh, prepping for chemo. I just flipped a 180. I uh, took on an all alkaline diet. I only drank 9.5 pH water, so only alkalized water, and I stuck strictly to an alkalized diet, fully vegan, nothing but organic fruits and vegetables, period, and like mostly vegetables, a lot of spinach, a lot of um, colorful foods. And how much time from when you switched your diet to your first chemo, like how much run ahead time did you get? with your diet before you had your first treatment? I had, I had a while. I had like two, three weeks of, okay. Uh, no, I actually had like closer to a month. Yeah. Of, of like prep time between knowing, getting official diagnosis and um, my first chemo, I had like a full month to kind of prepare for all that. Nice. So you have, oh, that makes a month's a pretty solid run. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I switched like habits around, I feel usually good. Like if I can be consistent with a new, better habit when it comes to health, within a week, you start to notice a month. I mean, I can see that 32, good diet. You go into chemo, you had four treatments. How many more do you have? I have probably that at most they can give me six. So I mm. kind of, I, I, I'm going to expect that. I'm going to, I'm going to expect the worst and just hope for the best. And that's what's happened so far. So yeah. Um, but I've been cruising through these last couple of sessions of chemo. Actually, as we're talking right now, I'm wearing. Um, yeah, what what do those is, do? This is copper. Um, ah, it, it, there's no real way to explain this. It's um, basically like spandex for your um, uh, hands. These gloves compress your veins where I get the chemo injection. So because of the compression in the copper, I don't have any sort of vein pain where a lot of chemo patients get neuropathy afterwards. I I'm not having any uh, issues. I yeah. didn't realize that they. So you're sitting, how long is a session? Uh, well, with chemo, you've got three different ways to get your infusion. Um, you've got uh, a port where they do surgery and they connect a uh-huh. um, uh, something to your vein where you get it directly. 
into your heart. And then they have um, a, a line, a pick line, where you uh, get a pick line right in your wrist. So they just hook it up right away without ever poking you. And then what I do is I just get an IV. So just like you would go to get hydrated, you know, mm, with an IV, yeah. same kind of thing, but a little bit bigger needle and obviously um, about a hundred thousand more dollars. <laughs> do, you feel any, do you feel anything when you're in chemo? Like, do you have any sort of sensation when it's happening? <sighs> yeah. The only thing you really feel is at first they give me the Benadryl so that the drugs don't send me into like a bad allergic reaction. My first chemo was eight hours because they want to make sure that my body doesn't um, freak out to the drugs. But um, the biggest one that you feel is the uh, um, doxorubicin. That's aka the red devil. Um, if it's derived from mustard gas and it affects every cell in your body. And that's what attaches to the cancer and kills it. So you feel it in your knee when it's... You feel it going in. Yeah. Dang. How, yeah. Could you try... There's no way probably to describe it. There's a yeah. sensation you, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. There's a, definitely a sensation. Um, definitely... Uh, Definitely feels like poison entering your veins. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no, yeah, there's no other way to put it. And the, and and the guy that's giving you the um, thing, he's he's wearing all sorts of protective material to protect himself from getting one drop of it on on him while he's injecting it into you. <laughs> so it's quite the, it's quite the, the paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been gaming? I know you've had time to game during oh, this bro. whole thing. Um, Call of Duty. I'm I'm a still a codhead. I, I I've played every video game growing up, but I've got to go with the big titles these days. And uh, I really like watching a lot of um, Twitch players as well. I'm actually um, ran into the owner of Hunter Thieves, so one of the largest gaming organizations. Um, uh, co-owner Drake, um, Scooter Braun. Um, I ran into uh, uh, yeah Nate Shot in L.A. on my birthday last summer. And, um, yeah, I've just been playing Warzone and watching a lot of him stream. And, uh, that's pretty much it. It's weird because we both grew up being video game nerds. We went yeah. totally different directions. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I, when we talk about that, like I, I'm, I'm like that old man that I don't understand the appeal of watching, I guess Warzone is like a sport, right? It's a skill based. So it's like watching a sport. That's what you find entertaining. Oh yeah. Uh, with Warzone, I like watching like, uh, play styles. So like, um, I like watching like a lot of FaZe Clan members, uh, Swag is one of them. Uh, also Nick Merckx on Twitch. These are big names. Yeah. Everybody recognizes these guys. Superstars, millions of followers. But yeah, you watch their play styles, you know, how they're, what they're running with their guns. So attachments. So I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's got like a hollow sight and then he's running this barrel on an M4 and, uh, and, and then he's got a C4 attachment with, um, you know you and then you copy those attachments and then you copy their their play style and that's that's what all the kids are doing these days and myself as well you learn how to get super good and then you play around with uh it's almost like i mean it is in a way that you could have swapped out that whole whatever run on you whatever you call it what a paragraph with jujitsu and it would make total sense mm -hmm. right you you roll with a bunch of people who are really good and you take a little bit from this guy you take a little bit from that guy and you, and you just, yeah, those are like, and that I can see that. I just, that makes sense. Watching someone play a competitive game. I still can't wrap my mind around like why you would watch someone play like a single, I guess to save time. If you want to see how a game plays, you don't want to like spend the time to play it. I don't know. That's it, a whole world. It's that whole streaming world, that Twitch, like I know it's huge and I'm, I feel like I'm just like this old man being left behind. Oh yeah, I'm definitely running with the kids, man. Uh, like, <laughs> that's why I like you. You stay hip, dude. I, I, all the guys that I play with are all my coworkers and stuff that are a lot younger, and um, they are crackheads. 
um, in every sense of the word. <laughs> These kids just pound Adderall and play Warzone for days, and they also play S and D Search and Destroy. Um, it's it, Search and Destroy is the most popular mode for shit talking, <laughs> and it they, there's never an empty lobby on any COD game. Like it's just insane how the COD culture has evolved from like Modern Warfare Two to like on Xbox 360 to like people on uh, PCs running, you know, you know RTX 2080s, and it, it's just insane. And then the controller keyboard debacle, and then the also like issues with ping and, and all this. It just it, there's been so many things that have been introduced into COD and and into the game where it used to be so simple and, and so pure, where it's just now just its own entity. So you're saying that the game has evolved into really a different game. Oh, like Call, like- oh Call of Duty. Yeah, it went from you know the good old days uh, where everybody talks about the Modern Warfare Two days. That's the only one I've played, which yeah. is awesome. Oh, uh, iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that game. First off, single player campaign was perfection. It was yeah, do the ghillie suit level. Mm. That was dude. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, and and just just for just over, overall, just just an, an immersion. That game, man, take me back to when I first uh, played it. it was like at my uh, actually at my parents' house when I was visiting, and it first came out, and I was visiting for like Thanksgiving and Christmas in Alaska. We're playing it upstairs in the little attic space that they had cut out for me, which is a little bed. And yeah, I remember exactly where I was when that game first came out and where and where I played it. Good times. See, the, as far as like a single player campaign, now even with the new COD, they introduce they reintroduced a single ca- player campaign, and they didn't even have it in the last one, Black Ops Four, because they knew nobody was going to play it, um, and they wanted it. Um, rush out a battle royale because Fortnite had blown up, yeah. obviously. And so, um, with uh, this new Warzone, I haven't even played the campaign because I play online, and that's yeah. kind of the shift. Is everybody's yeah. moved away from the single player campaign where it's all online only, and and it's gone from multiplayer like team deathmatch to battle royale now, and it, I, it'll be battle royale for a while. You think it's gonna stay? I know it's going to stay. Yeah, the Battle Royale formula seems to be like, this is it's going to be around. Yeah. yeah people aren't going to get sick of this no. for a while. Nope. It's pretty damn fun. It is. I and now with, they got Cold War coming out. I and play, now they have new consoles out. That's so true. it's the best time to talk about video games. And nobody can get the, the Xbox Series X, but like, it seems everyone I've been talking to is like, they're sold out everywhere. All, the, celeb, all, all the celebs are getting them. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. When you grew up, you said, so partly in Alaska, partly in Hanford, right? Oh, yeah. So as far as growing up, I was born in Washington State, uh, Pasco, Washington. Um, I say Pasco, Washington because also my favorite author and my favorite movie came from this dude. I want you to guess what this movie derived from this book and who this dude is from washington mm-hmm. we were born in the exact same city god and it's a movie and a book yep and i uh, and the, it's my favorite the washington clue that does nothing for me i don't know anyone from washington like think the, cult classic cult classic i think 99 bike club nailed it Woo! chuck polinux is actually from pasco washington and uh that's the most no that's the craziest thing to me is knowing that i was born in the same place as the author of Fight Club, and it ended up being my favorite movie later on in life, and I didn't even make I didn't even connection. make the connection yeah, until yeah, yeah. until way later. Pretty cool though. Pasco, I'm from Pasco, Washington, which is across the river from the Hanford Nuclear Facility that was put up as a Superfund site back in the 40s to produce the first atomic bombs that we dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. What better day to talk about this than Veterans Day? Oh, it is Veterans Day. Yeah. So I grew up across the river from that site, and that could play a role in how I got cancer because 
my neighbor, uh, also from that same rural area, got diagnosed within three days of me, and we were kind of chatting, and there was a cluster of other folks that other affected folks in, the the same, in the area. EPA is well aware. They I've, wouldn't. I've talked on the phone to EPA about it too, and they're they they because I didn't get osteosarcoma. That's not a road I'm really going down anymore because of yeah, it's it's not really that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. yeah. So you were born in '87. Was your yeah. first console the NES? So I would borrow the NES and I would borrow the SNES from my cousins. Ooh. So how, how but, often were you getting time to play as a kid? Oh, I would like borrow every month or I, something? Would, I, I would borrow theirs and then I would also um uh I would also um get let me think from my friend Brad. He lived he was like my neighbor. I would get his um uh SNES to borrow. And this was let me think when I was like <sighs> 12 uh, ish. Um, no, no, no. This would have been when I was like way younger. I got a, sorry, I just hit a fat dab a little earlier, but um, I, I, my first official, I guess before you could call it a console was the game gear, dude. I had my cousin's old game gear as a hand-me-down that my parents got me for Christmas. I, I'm trying to guess my age, bro. I think I was like maybe closer to like nine or 10. Okay. Yeah. Dude, I had a game gear too. And they, they weren't as near as popular as the game boy. Oh, Sucker took six double A's, three on each side. Battery lasted like 30, 28, 30 minutes probably, but full color. You could see in the car with the sunlight, you could still see your game. It was the shit. I had the TV add-on too. Nice. I I had that antenna whipped out and I would like (laughs) be on the bus and I would tune in to like a television show while I was riding the bus. And like, I would have the game gear, the six batteries. I had backup batteries in my backpack. (laughs) Yeah. That, yeah. So my first official console was a Sega game gear. And then I got the PlayStation right when it came out. And this was fifth grade. That's my number one cost. Like for me, the PlayStation one is the golden era. And that's what I want to get into. Yeah. This was an interesting time because in fifth grade, you had the N64 and you had the PlayStation. And you kind of knew the PlayStation was like more for the teenager. Yes. And then the N64 was kind of, you know, for the kid. And so being a fifth grader, I had a decision to make. <laughs> My, I, Are you going to be a cool kid I, I think or a I, bitch? I think like most of us at the time, we had worked out some sort of wager with our parents in order to obtain the, the <laughs> one of the holy of holies. Literally, <laughs> literally, the only thing that mattered yes, in life the only thing that at mattered. this time yes. was a Nintendo 64 or a PlayStation. I don't remember anything else existing in my world <laughs> at that time. And uh, I remember, I, I remember my uh, my friend Ryan. He got the 64, and I remember playing uh, Super Mario 64. And I was like, okay, he's got this. This is really cool. I can go over to his house and play this anytime I want because he's my good friend. Yeah. I have access. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to get the PlayStation. PlayStation. Nice. So yeah, I ended up getting the PS1. This would have been 95. Um, I got it, you know, right when it came out, the PlayStation 1. And then um, I was a demo disc hoarder. I got all the Pizza Hut demo discs. Yes! You're the only person to bring this up. People forget you could get demo discs from Pizza Hut. And Walmart. There was like 12 or 13 And Walmart. Yeah, and Walmart too. Yeah. I had a demo disc. I did a video of the demo disc. Do you remember the T-Rex demo and the Manta Ray demo? It was like not even a game. You could just control the camera and it was a T-Rex walking. Probably. That's deep in the archives, in the memory archives. Yeah, that's like... But there was... uh, They had all these like regular uh cool borders uh two extreme had wrestlemania it, jumping flash 
Those were all on like had demo it. discs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had um, some crazy games and, and back then I, I played so many games on those demo discs where I could explain the game, but I can't tell you the title. Mm. But yeah, I played all sorts of polygon games on those demos, puzzle games. Um, what else did I play? I played a lot of um, Mech Warrior, and then fucking Tekken. Tekken took over. Yo, I didn't know you were into fighting games. We've I've never seen you. So you had at least a period. I was obsessed with Tekken one, two, and three. Fully obsessed. I remember growing up and playing uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter Two Turbo a lot over at my back, you know, kind of like over my cousin's house, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. previous console generations there. And when Tekken hit the scene, especially Tekken 2 and 3, and I was having my friends come over after school, that was the shit. We would have our favorite characters and Who's we your would main just on go Tekken? at it. Um, right now, I've got Tekken 7 and I don't play with any particular character. He's playing around, yeah. Yeah. Um, back in the day... I honestly, I couldn't even pick a favorite, man. I, I played them all. As as far as like Tekken 7 goes nowadays, I really like Devil. I play with Devil a lot just because I've kind of felt like, I don't know, that type of energy. Yeah. So I, yeah, I play with like Devil Jin a lot. I was uh, either Jin or La were my two. Oh, okay. I did, I did Tekken 1 a little bit, but I got into Tekken, Tekken Tag Tournament 2 on okay. the PS2. Like that was the first Tekken I put a lot of hours in. Um, but then I went back and played. I remember P- Tekken on PS1 being like a pretty decent arcade port. Like you would see it in the arcade and the PS1 version was like mm-hmm. pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Tekken. Yoshimitsu gets an honorable yeah, mention. Yeah, Yoshimitsu's. And he's like, his character design changes quite a bit. He's like a character they take a lot of different like, yeah! routes. <laughs> it's in his, I, I do, when I first saw him, I remember being like, okay, I've never seen something like that before. Like his movements, his moves, like his helicopter spin move. He'll like, stomp people with his butt like he did a bunch of weird shit mm-hmm. that at the time i, I remember like yeah, okay yeah this is this is something new this is something dope yeah tekken in the arcades did you do a lot of arcade gaming yeah i played a lot of time crisis uh <laughs> our our local mall had a dope arcade it was the fucking shit and uh yeah i'd end up at that arcade all the time and i would be on time crisis that was the only thing i would play at that and um uh Mar- i think I think back then it was like Marvel vs. Capcom. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom Two was probably my favorite fighting game. Uh, maybe besides Smash, which people sometimes shit about, but Smash is addictive. Do you play Never, Smash? Uh, my my little brother, he's good at Smash. But remember, with Nintendo, I only dip into Nintendo stuff because I I grew up with a Game Gear and I grew up, and I grew up with a PlayStation. Nintendo stuff that I've only dipped into. But at the same time, like I was just you know playing fucking Mario Run the other day. You know, just for a little little boredom sesh. You know. Yeah. What other games from the PS One kind of stick out to you? Uh, what was it? Uh, jet ski game. Jet Moto. Jet Moto. Yeah, you were the first one to bring that up. Jet Moto one and two, huge. Yeah, PlayStation. I had Killik. That was a game I could never understand. That was like the first fucking game that came out on the PlayStation, and it was at GameStop for like eight dollars, and it was like the <laughs> only one, the only new game I could buy. I hated that game. I think anybody that ever played that game hated it. But I think that they were just trying to push like the first person shooter type yeah. game onto that console so so early. And then Tony Hawk 1 and 2 took over my life. Yes. Have you played the remakes, that were the remasters, whatever, that were just released? I already beat it. <laughs> by beat it, 
by like by by beat it, I picked Shane O'Neill and I played through like the little story mode and I played the Got shit out of that game already. Got all the and shit, yeah. Yeah, that's tight. I really like. I I do have the new version. I really like it a lot. In between the Tony Hawks, I also really like the Skate series. Skate yeah. one, two, and three on Xbox 360 were really fun. How do you feel the the remake of Tony Hawks to the original? Good. You like them? Love yeah. it. I yeah. thought they nailed it. Yeah. And I've gotten to meet some pro skaters too, kind of like throughout life. And so kind of messing around with the characters is super cool. I got to meet like Nigel Houston at a, at a party once and then I uh, got a bunch of friends that know him too. So yeah, that was neat. Just kind of having him as a playable character. And, and uh, another cool thing too was back when I played fucking Tony Hawk, I was so obsessed with that game that like my parents would go to the fair where we would show like our animals to sell for 4-H. Mm. Uh, we raised livestock as kids growing up on the farm and we brought our camper out and we didn't have a TV. And so I, I rigged my PlayStation 1 up to my family's camcorder screen. And I, <laughs> Dude, that's some MacGyver shit. And I, that is clever. Because I did, you know, we, we had like the one big fat TV at home, right? Yeah. And then I, I had like an old, uh, I had like this old like clickety TV, you know, and I had the RF signal going in, you know, not the analog. And um, uh, I remember I, yeah, I rigged up my PlayStation to the camcorder and I played on a 3.25 inch <laughs> screen and i would rip tony hawk pro skater 2 <laughs> on a camcorder screen yeah oh that is hilarious yeah. that makes sense because those old camcorders the flip part it would have the rca inputs yep yeah yeah that makes total sense yep i actually had to have a vcr too to make it work <laughs> yeah the, as a, i had like to go yeah, yeah i had yeah. to go through a vcr to the camcorder and through the playstation you, but, you lucked out that the, the uh that the needed cords and peripherals were available yeah oh man that was the shit back then was tony hawk too and just high score like always talking shit what was your high score on on the on the marseille france course or whatever oh i got like hundred and twenty thousand one trick no way yeah those are the best has there ever been a single player game that is because you seem oh, to grab it of course cool. of course yeah, well, splinter cell splinter cell hell yeah oh dude chaos theory the first one was good but chaos theory to me like that's oh, the second yeah. one i write it goes yeah that's the second one chaos theory uh i my memory is so foggy with um uh with splinter cell but yeah i remember that was a big one for me and then um well ah, dude there was there, there was my cousin that was getting big into grand theft auto at the time and i wish i would have but i was just i was just too young i would play a lot of crash bandicoot one two and three especially like cortex's revenge that's probably where i have my fondest memories of a single player campaign was like crash bandicoot 2 and then crash bandicoot 3 i just remember just grinding through that getting every bonus every level yeah those are my favorite like you know style of games were the crash bandicoots i never really got into the marios as much as most kids did What'd you do after PS1, PS2? Yeah, PS2. Yeah, I got the PS2 and when I moved up to Alaska from Washington State when I was 14. Yeah, yeah. when I was 14, I moved from Washington up to Alaska because my dad um, was a farmer and he got a good deal on a dairy farm up there. And that's kind of what we did in Washington. He actually owned a store, a big retail store too, but we dropped all that and moved out to a dairy farm in Washington. And that was when I got my PS2 and, you know, collection of uh, DVDs too. Started getting crazy watching the Matrix 
every other day. Oh my god! You did you I yeah. just talked about this on um, my last episode. For me, yeah, yeah. like the my cherry popping moment on the PS2 was watching The Matrix. A lot of us, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, the perfect It was the two of like my video game console can now play movies and this is also the most mind blowing movie. And that, we're fourteen. And we're fourteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was, I remember watching, yeah, watching The Matrix on a PS2 being like, this is, we've made it. Yeah. We've made it. <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah. nowhere else we can go from yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the best movie to watch. Cause, yes. Because it had the best action, best scenes, and it was a DVD, so it was the sharpest image. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was the shit. Yeah, the, the PS2 is still the greatest selling uh, console of all time. Yep. Oh yeah, and uh, well, that it was the perfect timing of also being a DVD player when that was coming out, and so many people I knew didn't even play games and bought it because it was a good deal on a DVD player. Yep. And oh, if I ever want to play a game, I guess we can play games on it too. That was the uncle's excuse. That yeah. was that was what all the old guys were saying they were getting it for. <laughs> Honey, we need a DVD player, and then they, you know that, and then they a lot of them would just use it for the DVD though. But I remember uh, getting into PlayStation. Final Fantasy, Final Ooh. Fantasy ten, right? Ten, yeah. Where they had the Blitzball or Blitzball. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I got way in. So Final Fantasy ten, I was way into that, and um, and then I was also way into shoot, man. This is where this is kind of I I kind of got lost earlier when you asked me the Tekken question. I just uh, my I have chemo brain and I'm highly medicated with marijuana, <laughs> and so like when it comes to like PlayStation two games, it's like dude, there's so many. You can't I'm just pick trying one. to pick out the. Uh, uh, automatically um uh final fantasy 10 obviously sticks out because that campaign was unreal and then um i wish i was too young for final fantasy 7 but my cousin made it a big deal on playstation 1 with his you know pile of discs um for final fantasy 7 like this was the shit but yeah i was so young i couldn't get into it then i i had to have the more add style games like, yeah like uh tekken and tony hawk but yeah. Um, okay, Final Fantasy X and then Baldur's Gate 2. Really? Fuck yeah, I would dude. have never guessed you would have got into a, a Baldur's Gate. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, you just got cooler in my book. You were already cool, but... Way before Baldur's Gate, I was fucking around with uh, Diablo 2 on my Toshiba laptop. So aside from consoles, I've been building computers since I was six. Yeah, like I had Apple IIs torn apart as a toddler. Um, and yeah, I've always been obsessed with um, computers. And I had an uncle that worked for Hewlett Packard at the time. So I had unlimited, I had unlimited resources to, top in, to tap into. Damn. Yeah. My uncle worked for Hewlett Packard and I was a kid, dude. And, he, and I got an old Toshiba laptop and he put a new hard drive in it and it was off to the races. I was running emulators in elementary school. Hell yeah. yeah. I didn't even get into PCs till I was in No, like, no, not, like... not elementary school, middle school. Sorry. I'm not yeah. that cool. The technology wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Once I made the switch and I started, really what sold me, I mean, I like gaming on the PC, but emulators. Yep. Like the most, that is the most convenient and most, like the best experiences. Cause like, for example, uh, GoldenEye on the 64, everyone talks, it's awesome. Try to go play GoldenEye on the 64 right now on a 64. Miserable. You can't, no. you can't even function. But there's mods for the 64 emulator, and it controls and plays like a modern shooter, mm -hmm. and makes the makes the campaign super easy. Because, yep. But the you can play N64 multiplayer on a modded piece, like 
with uh, it's like you can't get those experiences anywhere but the pc well our dopamine levels have been fucked up by technology yeah where we grew up with platformers and now we have all this sensory overload especially with these new graphics cards like so hard to get that nostalgia and the satisfaction of playing a good game these days because of how dopamine jacks you up with these yeah. new games man like i get such a rush in like a warzone tournament or not not warzone tournament but like a warzone like top five you know scenario where like i try to pick up like a game boy like i did earlier today and just beat like the first level on wario and it's like oh man this is too difficult like i'm not getting the dopamine hit of like you know planes flying over me grenades getting tossed yeah. at me you know all that other shit it's it's weird how 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 that plays a big role so you're saying that yeah like the the stimulus yeah of these battle royale new games make it hard for you to enjoy impossible other games yeah impossible i can't play i can't go back and play any of the nostalgic games I grew up in, I've tried and I can't get into them because they don't give me it's <laughs> the not dopamine the... hit. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if I actually, I've never, I've tried a few battle royales and they just didn't stick. Yeah. I play almost all, it's weird, I have a $3,000 PC, but I play indie games and retro games. You're just like my cousin. <laughs> like, I think it's one of those things where people love the nostalgia and the puzzle and all that. And then you got people like me that are just crackheads and I, like, yeah. I gotta get I, I play video games to get into it, get lost, you know, where I can't get lost playing Zelda. Or at least, yeah, no, not even the new Zelda. I even got the Wii U emulator with the new Zelda and I tried to play that and it wasn't enough. Too I, much texting and or the the text and everything can't do it. It's anymore. a slow game. Yeah, I had fun with that new. What what's the new one called? That the Hyrule Warriors? No, no. Before that one, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. That's the one I was playing on my Wii U emulator last summer. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was a beautiful game. And I've played the other Zeldas, you know, ever since Ocarina of Time. Not the earlier ones because. Yeah. I was playing Pokemon. Oh shit! <laughs> we didn't talk we about totally Pokemon. We totally fucking skipped over fucking Pokemon, dude. Pokemon was. I gotta take a dab hit for this one, bro. <laughs> hit it. I'm gonna take a sip. I was obsessed with Pokemon. Yeah, fully obsessed. So when I had my PlayStation One, I also had a Game Boy Color with Pokemon Red, and I played the shit out of Pokemon. And I had every card in the first three sets with a buddy of mine that was my neighbor. When we were in middle school, we were the first ones in our entire middle school to get every motherfucking Pokemon card. <laughs> That's a life. We had to we had to lie, we had to cheat, we had to steal, but we got them motherfuckers collectively. <laughs> and we carried around that binder like it was a brick of motherfucking gold. <laughs> I love I wish people could see your expression. There was like no sarcasm. You were legit Zero. like, this is an OG accomplishment, motherfucker. Yeah, this is yeah. what I did. Bro, I ripped open a pack and got a hollow Charizard. <laughs> and my fucking, my pubic region hadn't really activated yet. But goddamn, <laughs> that was the moment, bro. That was the fucking ecstasy right there. When I pulled out that Charizard, my parents also worked at the mall and ran a little um, gift shop in a kiosk and they had another kiosk where it was all about trading the pokemon cards and stuff and i would go in there and i would trade i would go to school and i would trade i was a trader i was fully pokemoned out we would battle with the cards we would link up our con our game boys poke battle fuck the when the movies came out man drove up to seattle met up with my cousins for the first pokemon movie holy shit my uh i was so obsessed with pokemon cards 
um, that my my uh, fucking mom, sorry mom, my mom <laughs> ripped sorry, up. Mom. Yeah. Uh, my mom ripped up a Pokemon card um, when we were on a road trip, um, going to visit my cousins for Thanksgiving. I'm um, actually here in Utah at the time, and I, I remember I was teasing my sister or something, and my mom's just ripped up a Pokemon card, and it was like my, it's like it was like one of my holographic ones, and I just remember just bawling, dude, over a piece of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> but to you, that was, I mean, she could, yeah. Yeah. It's the end of the world. The only other thing in life that has ever compared to the Pokemon cards <laughs> were the Star Wars Pepsi cans when episode one came out. Ah. I got I every vaguely one, do remember I got that. every one of them motherfuckers too, including the Golden Yoda. Rare as fuck. You still have them? Way. No way, dude. Those disappeared a long time ago, along with the Pokemon cards. You still have the cards? Pokemon nope. cards? Nope. I don't carry anything around, no. You're everything like I carry around is digital. Yeah. I've got everything digital backed up since fucking 2005. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Everything I have is on the cloud now. Like, I don't carry anything physical anymore. Yeah. Except for, I guess... Whatever. Literally, my computer. That's it. Your computer. Yeah. My, you're only playing on... My com- you, you're playing on a laptop, right? No. I carry around a small form factor PC. Nah. How big is it? Size of a shoebox. Literally. What card does it have in it? Right now, just a GTX 1080. That's not a bad card. Mm-hmm. Not bad. And it works just fine. I still play all the latest titles and everything else like that. I got like 32 gigs, DDR5, and then uh, I got an i7. Yeah. I don't need anything new yet. And it's the second version of my build. Yeah, I've been, I love building computers, man. I, I, I really like small form factor PCs. And I'm going to build a uh, seven liter next with um, uh, the new RTX 3080. The 3080? Yeah. I'm going to probably do a new build soon. And I have been looking <clears throat> at small form factors or this could actually be a, I was not planning on talking about this, but I didn't know you were that into building computers. I really want to build an in computer, like a desk where the desk is plexiglass. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a bunch. Yeah. I thought yeah. about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I don't want my, I mean, the desk to be super thick and there's some problems. There's just a lot of woodworking there. Yeah. So you really got to, you got to do a shit ton of woodworking with that. I did find a product from a company called Liang Li. Uh, yeah, I've seen other cases. I'm, I'm, I'm on PC part pit. I, 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 I'm, I, I take apart my computer just to clean it on like a biweekly basis. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. I've, I love computers. Yeah, and like I'll sell RAM and just buy a different brand. Just Dude, I should have you redo. Help me with my cable <laughs> management. Mine's. Yeah, I need to rework my computer. I'm, I am kind of a little sloppy with cable management. You though. are, yeah. I kind of just throw it in. You there. don't care because I have a small fa- form factor PC. It's all closed in, anyways. You don't see anything. It's yeah. a bitch, dude. Like when you're when you're building like real small, you just kind of cram it in there and shut it up and run your fans high. <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my shit's water cooled though. I I just put in a water cooler last summer and got a nice little because uh, there's always kind of been the debate between air and water cooled and and both are actually really good. So. Certain small form factors um, nowadays you can only go with water cooled. So I, went I was going to say you can nice, save space with water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went with a nice um, just two fan, like hundred or yeah, like two hundred forty millimeter radiator. Love it. So you you're just rolling with uh, basically some clothes and a PC. Yeah, yeah. It's of you like it's like a modern yeah a modern traveler a modern vagabond like yeah have, that's all you need. Yeah, I'm in LA a lot. I'm in Vegas a lot. I'm in Utah a lot, and I'm in Washington a lot. But I'm never in either of those places longer than like a few months. I'm always bouncing around, and um, yeah, I usually just rent out a room, and then I do a lot of Airbnb and a lot of Uber, a lot of uh, walking around. 
And are you selling like the whole time? Uh, I sell a lot, yeah. And I make um, good money there. And I'm just super frugal when it comes to, um, I'm big time like life hacker. So like I'll, I'll, I have like 20 different Google voice numbers for different promos. And I have like 20 different prepaid credit cards Wait, for different what? promos. I have, I have like 20 different things to take advantage of like one-time use promo codes for like uber lyft all that because you can always get a new google voice number you can always get a new email number and a lot of people don't do it um music services spotify apple music they're always going to offer you three free months i've had spotify apple music amazon music um for the past six seven eight years and i've never paid for it how so you every three months you're swapping out the details different email different prepaid credit card god debit card yeah and how much like hassle is that i just gotta do it once every three months with apple music but because it's tied to your apple id i do it a lot with uh spotify when they had it going on back in the day and then amazon music also does it too one month trials yeah i just bounce around and i never pay for it it's weird but if you look back it saved me thousands of dollars (laughs) yeah so yeah big time life hacker though when it comes to stuff like that you've got your coupon ladies and then you've got me with um yeah um, yeah like what other tricks are up your sleeve shoot man i don't know I, I I have to say, um, when it comes to like my cell phone, uh, I always have like an unlocked phone and I never get like the newest one. Um, and I always buy it refurbished. And because I have an unlocked phone, I switch carriers all the time. And when I'm done working, I take the SIM out of my iPad and I put it in my iPhone and I just do iMessage and I run a Google voice number for all my phone calls and I never pay for service. So I, I've, I've never, I haven't paid for phone service since I got the iPhone in like 2008 and i had like an at&t plan and then ever since like 2010 i've never paid a cell phone bill so because you just work you just always work off wi-fi i I use the sim card and i use a google voice number and i don't need a cell phone service i just use the data the sim i I don't understand how the sim people can call you your google voice number and your it'll connect to your sim card and ring your phone yeah so yeah with google voice you it'll ring your phone yeah and you don't you can just have data you don't need an actual phone service like voice but how does the phone have signal and service data lte yeah oh so you pay for the google voice data no i i use the data from my ipad sim card that i throw into my phone and then i just use google voice oh and so, that is a phone basically so a phone but you are paying for the ipad sim card no, because I get that free from work. Oh, so I take that. I take someone this, is paying for that. Yeah, the company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so you, I was trying to figure out, like, oh, yeah, how yeah. are you getting with? I have no data. Like, who? Oh yeah, it's just no voice. Like, I can't make a regular phone call with the iPhone, but I can make it on Google Voice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. There have been a couple emergency situations where I've gotten like a track phone SIM card at Walmart, but yeah, like I listen to people paying their cell phone bill, their internet bill, and everything, and I'm just like, wow, yeah, I've never paid for any of that. I'm very very frugal very frugal all my money goes to weed and travel <laughs> and food that's the way to that's the way to live yeah. so yeah it makes sense because you're for this people who don't do sales they're, they're giving you an ipad that has like data on the neighborhood and checking credit and all that stuff mm-hmm. so, yeah yeah yeah. and then you're using that same sim card on an unlock that makes sense now yep and both my apple accounts are on each one and so they're interchangeable so i have my ipad i can get phone calls on that every all, all that jazz and then i only need to carry one device on me anytime uh, and I want to talk a little about devices too with cancer. So these suckers are radioactive. And my I don't brother think... thinks that his hip cancer came from his phone. He's correct. And that's why I got my cancer in my right leg is because I used to run an EMF signal as a hotspot on my phone all the time. 
um, out of my pocket to like play on my computer, and I learned how bad that was. <laughs> so you think penetrates like, the skin? It's a combination it, of growing up by the. Oh yeah, uh, growing up in a farm around a lot of diesel fumes, around a lot of welding. I grew up welding too, and I did pest control for a little bit with a friend. So I had all sorts of toxins in my body, and all cancer is. Is just all that zipped up in one place, and I just got a crazy version of it. But when it comes to cell phones and cancer, yeah, it's. Do you, do you think there's going to. I know. I, I think over time, it's going to be common knowledge. Like there'll be enough cases and enough people who've put it. It'll just. Oh, yeah. The fact yeah. that I got um, cancer in my, <laughs> in my right leg, and that's where my cell phone is all the time, is no surprise whatsoever. And there's so much. Your phone's a radioactive device. Yeah, it's emitting radiation that's going to confuse your cells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually don't, because I spend most of my, I mean, I'm frugal like you in the sense where I've, other than training jujitsu, I sit here. Yeah. I don't drive anywhere. Yeah. Everything is from home. Yeah. And my phone's usually not in my pocket. How far away do you think your phone has to be? Like, how strong is that? So when you're, when you're uh, turning on a hotspot on your cell phone, like I would do a lot, because, you know, I'm in hotels and stuff and bad Wi-Fi, And so I have my phone in my pocket, just turn on my hotspot so I can play like Call of Duty or whatever. And that's emitting an EMF signal. It's very So what strong. do you think about a regular Wi-Fi router? Does it does the same thing? Because mm. I've always been yeah. stressed. My kid, our only place we can do my Wi-Fi router in my house where the, it comes in is where my kid's room. I'm always like, yeah. fuck, am I fucking them up? I they're sleeping. Yeah. Um, I'm not the person to talk to about that, but when it comes to like cell phones, yeah, it, it is a radioactive device. And it, um, it, there's, there's no surprise that I got cancer in my right leg and that's where my phone is all the time. There's, it's pretty obvious that my, my phone definitely helped along with the diesel fumes, along with the pest control, along with growing up in the most toxic environment in the Western hemisphere. Literally, yeah. um, those tanks are leaking too, where they stored all the uh, plutonium or the plutonium nuclear waste. Those tanks are actually leaking. There's been tons of lab reports and stuff about how bad the area is, but there's a like a $50 billion cleanup effort right now going on. It's the, the, the country, America's largest uh, environmental project right now. Is the Hanford nuclear Doesn't surprise site. me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I've gone down deep rabbit holes there and found all sorts of people who've gotten fucked up from it from my area just in a previous generation. Where now I've just got now it seems like the hospital I'm at right now is actually scaling up. I think cancer with tech and a lot of the uh, food product, a lot of the problems with food, especially feeding such a large population. Um, a lot of pesticides, a lot of soil degradation. Um, yeah, I think cancers are just going to keep going up with the population. Just kind of the way it works. What have you, have you found anything, and since you did this huge deep dive because you had, you have cancer. Yeah. What have you found of people, what can people do to like deal with those toxins before it gets to the cancerous level? Right. Like, so, um, I was always self-medicating with weed and um, obviously there's tons of studies showing how that helps cancer patients and stuff. And I was doing that self-medicating, just not knowing I had cancer, cancer instinctively. Plus I've been a stoner since I picked up weed when I was like 21 or whatever, um, 22 right after the mission. But um, yeah, uh, w when it comes to weed, I picked up this stuff called RSO, Rick Simpson oil, and uh, it's a combination of four different strains. It um, or comes in a one gram syringe and I originally picked it up in Vegas and um, was just putting it on my tongue and then I would even rub it on my tumor and uh, um, I just get really blasted there and then I really started getting heavy with edibles and I was actually smoking a ton and then I noticed I had some lung issues 
And that's when I just did a full 180 when it comes to smoking and uh, switched to if I did smoke, I would only smoke with Hempwick and uh, just took over a real healthy lifestyle, understanding my relationship with the plant at the time and how to use it to my benefit rather rather than um, as a recreational user, I had to switch to a medicinal user, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, with the Rick Simpson oil, yeah, I, I, like I said, I rub it on my tumor and then when my syringe would run out, I'd even take the syringe and stick it up my butt and put a little bit there and take it anally um, because that's the uh, highest absorption you'll get. And uh, yeah, it's not too corny to talk about because it works. And uh, I'm out here feeling like a normalized person when I'm in the heaviest amount of chemo and going through cancer and all that. How many, how much time in between chemo sessions? Three weeks. Okay. So like your four session, three weeks in between each one. Mm -hmm. Dang. And you're feeling fine. And I'm fine today. I feel like a million bucks. Like a million bucks? No, not even decent. No, I feel great. feel fantastic. How does your knee feel? Fantastic. Yeah. I feel like cured. I know it's kind of still in there though. I know there's some bad cells still floating around and I know I got to zap them. So yeah, I might have one or two more chemo infusions and then some radiation therapy and that'll be a wrap. I don't expect this shit to come back because I've done a full 180 when it comes to health as well. Very conscious of what I eat, very conscious of where things are sourced. I teamed up with um, an Iranian scientist. Guy's name is Shervin, runs a high vibe tribe where it's all holistic living, no bullshit, no fucking essential oils or none of that MLM type social media hype bullshit. It's all like liposomal, bioavailable, deep, deep cellular level. Yeah, supplements that have just changed the game for me. Um, the the thing that we were talking about earlier that I'll go ahead and revisit was the Shilajit, which um, was originally a gift from the monks in Bhutan, uh, where it's actually a combination of gold and silver nanoparticles mixed with 70-year-old plant resin that you mix with hot water and sip like tea that um, took me from being debilitated to walking. Yeah, that's uh, the one. So you're... You you took you took it and went to bed and woke up and walked the next I, morning. Yeah, no, I took it and I felt it literally. I felt it course my veins after chemo. After my first round of chemo, I came across this because a buddy introduced me to a mm. coworker. And uh, yeah, I remember right after I took that, I was able to get up and start walk when I had to have a cane prior. Damn. Yeah. And now cane free, crutch free. I was completely debilitated with my disease. It progressed to where I had crutches and I was completely debilitated. Is there, are you going to keep taking that? I just ran out. I got to get some more. (laughs) I also take, I just ran out. I got to get some more. I also take coated silver every day. So I take a drop of silver every day, coated silver um, with my water. I also um, take all of the Symbiotica products. So I I take like a, a D3, K2, CoQ10. All these are um, my cell technology, um, liposomal. So um, they're processed differently in your body than traditional supplements in pill form or capsule form. And they, uh, yeah, they work through your liver. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's stuff that I just got introduced to um, right when I started chemo. And yeah, it, it makes the whole thing balance out where... I was dying of cancer and now I'm getting the best supplements in the world and I'm exercising every day when I was literally like on my deathbed prior. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yeah. Real shit. Yeah. Real shit. So how how long from the day you did the 180 till now today? I depend on my phone for so much, man. So I archive everything. Ever since Snapchat came out, I had everything archived as far as videos go. 
And then with Instagram and their stories, I've got everything archived. So let me check. My like turnaround date when like when I discovered Symbiotica would have been August. No, it would have been uh, September. So it would have been, yeah, just a couple months ago when I did a, like a full 180 from my first chemo where I was like dying and until like, um, yeah, late August, early September was like when I did a full 180 with health. Just now I... Now I look at where the meat's coming from, like where everything's sourced. Instead of taking uh, fish oil, I'll take Icelandic algae oil, where that's actually the source of all plant life, that that uh, phytoplankton, yeah. So crazy stuff. I get down to everything deep on a cellular level. Started grounding. I got very, very into grounding, plugging into Earth's electromagnetosphere, freeing all my bodies, uh, getting rid of all those free radicals, um, all, all that inflammation, plugging into the Earth. I got a grounding mat plug it into the ground, put my bare feet on the conductive pad. And yeah, there's a whole documentary called the earthing movement. That's why as kids, we grew up with, um, you know, going outside barefoot because essentially we want to connect to the earth. I've wondered, maybe there is something like, cause I remember as a kid, always preferring bare feet. It felt yeah. better. Yeah. My yeah. mom would get pissed me and be like, but it feels better. Like, yeah. Bare when, feet feels when better. Rubber, when rubber was introduced to shoes, that's when we disconnected from the earth. That's when we had started having problems with inflammation and yeah. It's a real thing, science-backed. I'd have to look at it because I, I don't know anything about it, but it kind of seems like, well, based on my experience of just always having this sense that barefoot feels better. Yeah. yeah. We just grow up, you know, getting used to shoes and having the comfort of the, the rubber in between the road, and we lose all the benefits of connecting to the Earth's electromagnetosphere with grounding. All you got to do is get on eBay, get a $20 grounding mat, plug into that sucker for... 30 minutes a day and you'll notice a different different feeling when you plug into that huh. yeah. i have to have you send me a bunch of links to all this we're, shit. we're electric man we're electric like going when you go out to the ocean and those rays come crashing in those waves come crashing in at 10 hertz when you take that in that does so much like yeah you said that might be one of the mechanisms what's going on why the ocean feels so good and common yeah, for people yeah. and look at look at how we're surrounded with wi-fi look at how we're bombarded with cell towers Look at 5G, short band 5G coming out. Ugh, ugh, scary shit. It's, it's interesting. My business partner and I are constantly talking about, and it kind of ties back into gaming, is how do you balance the fact that 20 modern lifestyles, it's basically all geared against you. I see the, I, I, I see Ray Kurzweil's singularity unfolding right before, right, right in front of my eyes. I see it all with coronavirus, everything. What do you mean? The, <laughs> the simulation, the 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 union where we're gonna just we're gonna ditch all of this and go to a uh, no no where where we're gonna allow technology and AI to replace humanity that's instead what I was of saying, the, yeah yeah it's, in, in, yeah in, instead of human beings we're gonna be we're gonna be human something else we're not gonna be beings I, I had that. a thought like if if you really can copy or download a consciousness to uh like a some sort of a computer. I've been doing that with my Instagram stories. That's my diary. That's, yeah, but that, that's it's why not I, you. That's why I put out fire Instagram stories because that's 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 what I want to share, and that's what I want to. Ha- I have everything archived. I have everything backed up, and I have sh- and when I have people that know my passwords and everything. Yeah, I literally have like ever since like 2005. I've kept an archive of data of my life to where if I know there's going to be, I know. Uh, can we talk about viral fame? We're talking about, wait, what? Yeah, I'm Reddit famous too. And that's a big thing that I want to talk about is um, like, uh, I, I had a picture of my parents pop up on Facebook when they were on vacation in 2017. 
and I was working at this call center and uh, they were with a stingray and I noticed that the stingray was like smiling. Oh, yeah. and you f- I remember that photo. So if we're going to go into like, if we're going to go into the internet and tech and, and like AI and all that, might as well talk with someone that's like put themselves out there. So I ended up taking that picture and color correcting it a little bit to make sure that the smile like really stood out. <laughs> and I posted it on my Instagram and I got like a couple hundred likes right away and everybody was commenting on the, on the photo and how crazy it was that the stingray just appeared to have this giant smile on it. And so um, what I ended up doing was I kind of timed it where I was like, okay, I want this to bang on Reddit. Um, I'm always on Reddit first thing in the morning. And so if people on the East Coast are going to be getting into work, they're going to be hopping on Reddit for something to kill time while they're logging into their computers. And uh, I posted it at 6 a.m., on uh, our picks. <laughs> and uh, by the time I got to work 15 minutes later, I had 800 upvotes. <laughs> and then it went bonkers. I ended up uh, getting number one front page. I had uh, 50, I totaled 57,000 um, upvotes and uh, 82% uh, like ratio. Uh, to downvotes. And then um, uh, I also had the co-founder of Reddit, Alexis Sohanian, uh, give me a shout out on Twitter about the image. This He said this Redditor uh, took a phony picture with his parents on vacation. Then I got hit up by BBC. Um, I got hit up by um, uh, NBC. I sold the, uh, I, I, I got copyrighted the image, sold um, permission to uh, NBC to use it. And then Ellen aired it 10 days later. Fuck yeah. How much did they buy it for? I won't say. I don't want to say it. Oh. I, I, Enough where it's like, it's not like, we'll give you a yeah. hundred bucks. Yeah, it was good. But at the same time, it's it, it's it's one of those things where um, I don't want people to uh, try and go viral for money. I want people to just live their lives and share their experiences on the internet without the striving for happen. anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have an agenda to go viral and they'll, they'll, they'll always try, but they never will. Where with me, it was just such a pure moment. And it honestly did kind of ruin me for a sec because I got a God plan. I developed a little bit of a God complex afterwards because I was doing a lot of drugs. I was doing like a lot of cocaine at the time. And so, <laughs> and so the, the fact I that like- I think the cocaine might have more to do with that and so than like, the picture going viral. And so like the fact that I had like the number one pick on Reddit for a sec. So, and, and then- and then I got into that. And then once it got on Ellen, I just, you know, the rush of that, you know, it was like a huge dopamine hit. And I knew like that was like the big break, you know, for me. And it was a picture of my parents, you know. So it was like a part of me, you know. Um, and, you know, my name was attached to it. And I knew I put it out there on the world. And I knew I, I, I knew I hit the top, you know. You, I, I could, in, in no scenario can I beat that situation. You know what I mean? It just worked out perfectly. And the cocaine, um, the money, the money from selling, you know, the picture and like all that um, just was a bad concoction, man. <laughs> The God, the God complex was like, I, I'm a genius for, for so long. Like my friends were like, bro, you're, you're gone, dude. I'm like, dude, I'm a genius. Like I put something out. Uh, I got into my Google analytics and I got 28 billion uh, search results in every single country. Wow. Yeah. That, that picture went everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. I Damn. Got, it, it was on, Ellen did a full, um, a full spiel on it. Have you seen it? I remember you, I saw when you first posted it cause I see all your shit. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, I remember you posting like something about Ellen. I knew that it had gone viral, but I was not aware that it had gone that viral. Oh, it went. Yeah. Let me just post the Ellen, the Ellen clip super quick. Um, I, just had it right here. Do you yeah. think that there'll be a some sort of 
program, like artificial intelligence algorithm that will be able to comb through your archive and recreate you digitally in the future? I don't know what's going on. I know, uh, I, I know. Here, let me play this Ellen clip real quick. So here's Ellen clip. So I'll, I'll play the audio for you guys. But yeah, this fucked me up for a while. Just, yeah, put it next to the mic so people can hear it. Ray that took a photo with a couple on vacation. I don't even know how this happened. <laughs> I mean, that's adorable. I don't, I don't understand it. But anyway, that Stingray photobombed that couple, and it's a cute smile. I assume that's its mouth. I hope it's its mouth. Um, and then that, the photo went viral last week, and I got my hands on photos from the rest of their vacation. Here they are at dinner. <laughs> yeah, I think you did post this. Mm. <laughs> and then here's uh, the end of the night. Oh, no. But, I don't know what happened to the husband but <laughs> that's a shame plenty of other fish in the sea as they say yeah. dude now i know what the highlight reel is gonna be i'm gonna say i had the guy behind the stingray yeah. picture on the yeah. podcast yeah that's that's a viral image man that was everywhere yahoo news mashable every blog every country i mean yeah fully viral ellen herself said it what are, was there any lasting effects aside from selling the image is there, or is it kind of like you skyrocket up has his lifespan, and now you're back to normal. I have an understanding that anything on the internet is dead in two weeks. <laughs> I know that with what? anything. Say that again. Anything on the internet is dead in two weeks. Two Any, days. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. So I had I had my I had my slice of fame, and then I had all the memes that came afterwards. I had all the memes that came afterwards. Like we're talking Instagram memes for days. I would yeah. get tagged in memes for days, bro. From friends, family members, everybody that would see that picture attached to like a little meme format. It went bonkers. And uh, yeah, you know, after the two weeks was up, that was it. And it was fucking dope. And I knew that was my val that was my internet validation moment. You know, we all grow up wanting to go viral. I don't care who you are. Everybody wants to hit it big. And uh, when I kind of had my way of doing it while uh, retaining full and not animinity, whatever, you know, without it being like me, you know, yeah, just my work, you know, or whatever my, my trickery my reddit skills um yeah that's fucking dope and like you know when you get on the front page of reddit you join the eternity club which is a lifetime thing where everybody that's hit the front page is on there and you, you have a daily thing where it's like oh like today we're gonna post a pic of our cat you know like it's just fucking cool that's cool i, I didn't with know reddit, reddit did that yeah yeah reddit eternity club yeah reddit is i mean other than f maybe 4chan like reddit is the birthplace of the internet yeah reddit's big yeah um i got big into reddit yeah and that's that's how i pulled it off was because i knew how to use reddit and i tell other people too it's like damn man i used to game reddit for my first my second job at a marketing agency we would just make a bunch of accounts use vpns and then oh, cool. upload shit and game so i like i got i started gaming reddit i didn't know anything about it but it was my job to like use it oh, okay. to promote people's shit Mm -hmm. um that's actually what got me that then i stumbled across ex-mormon oh yeah yeah and then that's how i and i mean i was i was already inactive but i stopped doing the church thing for years the same uh, smoking weed like yeah just had a subreddit for it yeah and then i started i'm like oh maybe that's why i haven't been to church in like 10 years because <laughs> it makes sense i didn't really like fully buy it got I mean, all the info from the devil <laughs> yeah on reddit i mean that's a simplification but reddit for me that and that's when i and then i got into drumming reddits and i started finding like oh there's a thread of legit people who are just as nerdy as me for everything i'm nerdy about oh yeah and you can actually find cool shit cool communities it also can be trash fire but oh even my my beanie right here ftp fuck the pop fuck the population ftp big subreddit i'm on too we're all obsessed with this brand this clothing 
kind of like an outcast kind of street style brand. Super fucking cool. That kind of goes back to like my whole thoughts on like AI and like it taking over and us being robots with coronavirus, just wearing <laughs> our masks everywhere, um, you know, eliminating identity, you know, um, uh, and just replacing that with um, just an empty shell uh, that consumes, you know, uh, for the corporations. Like, I, I, I don't know. I see the writing on the wall so clear when it comes to all that related. So do you think that it's more... I mean, I agree with a lot of your sentiment, and I think like that that possibility is definitely in the deck of cards. I think a lot of people have, especially with new shows like um, the Netflix documentary that just came out, Social Dilemma. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of people. That's kind of the normie, <laughs> my favorite word to use. That's kind of the normie version of a lot of what I've kind of been talking about for years. Is is uh is just an addiction to technology. Do you think that it's like an inevitable sort of natural course of the way that we're we're heading or do you think there's actually some sort of like set of actual you know illuminati that are planning this or is it just like hey we make technology we naturally just prey on our own primal instincts i see where this is going and it's not necessarily like a master plan of anybody's it's just sort of what we're going to end up doing to ourselves yeah i don't think i know and when it comes to tech because i grew up with early early computers and i grew up with Windows 95, I grew up with the birth of the internet, the nobody knows more because uh, I, I'm saying uh, on, on a scale, okay? I'm not saying I know the most on, on the internet at all. I'm saying when the internet came out, I was a kid and I had a website. I was writing code in middle school. So I, under, I know that uh, technology will take over humanity we, we, we will no You've longer seen be it. human You've beings seen it happen yeah we're yeah. gonna be human something else and I, I just i know that for a fact we already are something else with the phones yeah and yeah i mean we already are like we're i agree yeah. with that but you yeah so you're just saying like the, the course is set you don't know necessarily where it's going or who's think of, here, here's here's what I see. I see coronavirus as a piece of software bill gates is heavily involved uh and i don't want to i don't want to say this is bad i i want to say maybe humanity has no other choice this form of humanity might switch to something else i don't know um something hybrid android type but yeah like kind of getting into it let me let me kind of get my let me kind of get my bearings real quick so i can explain this right so uh with the coronavirus we can take this idea and we can spread it rapidly with modern media and the internet right and that's like a that's like a piece of software and if we install okay, that me, let's just make sure that i'm following you okay so you're you're not saying you think coronavirus is a piece of software it's an analogy it's behaving like a piece of software exactly okay so let's say you know we we never install that software we never install that game so we don't end up playing it where because it's so widespread already and everybody's already downloaded it, that's why people are driving around with their masks on, slowly destroying their identity. They're, they're destroying their identity. How are you going to have a voice when you're covering your face all the time? How are you going to have, how, how are you going to express yourself when you're now being programmed to avoid other people? I can kind of see that. I, I, do, I do follow you the, the thought of like, I've had the thought, okay, coronavirus, there's a lot of people who are smarter than me that think it was manipulated to be as a, as effective at spreading that it was either it was worked on in a lab either not created artificially but it was like they're studying coronavirus in that wuhan like there's eric weinstein goes he's a freaking smart dude that goes yeah, off yeah uh, okay so i'm just playing my okay there there's a possibility that this legit was created or manipulated in a lab and like if you can get that what if what if it's designed to infect everyone and lay dormant and be there 
as something that can be used later, or maybe just maybe I, I like uh, CRISPR. Like, have you heard of the gene drive? Of course. Yeah, and they can like they can make the next generation for sure pass on a certain gene, mm-hmm. and then eventually you can wipe out like they're, they're going to do it on. They already did it on mosquitoes. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? But they're making it so mosquitoes can't pass on malaria. Okay. So they use CRISPR and the, something they call it a gene drive. I'm just I'm botching it, but the idea is. When two life forms mate, there's not a hundred percent chance that a certain gene is going to be passed on, right? Okay. They have remember the four tables you did in school, and it's yeah. like R R big R little R whatever. Yeah. Somehow with CRISPR, they can genetically modify an animal and then make it so that when it mates, it passes that genetic modification down to its offspring at a hundred percent ratio. Oh yeah. So eventually, in a couple generations, a certain defect is gone. Yeah. And I'm like, there's something in my, my brain somehow connects that in coronavirus. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It's predictive programming. But there's some fuckery going on. Here's the thing. Every hundred years, there's a new disease because that's how diseases work. And um, when you take the population to scale and you understand it's coming, then you understand how to use it. And the thing that we've done with coronavirus is it's a, it's a stack of cards that um, anything you attract, yeah, anything you put enough energy to, um, it's been shown that that's going to attract matter. And so if we take this idea and we amplify it with technology, the internet, mass media, and hype, um, what, what, what we're essentially doing is we're attracting energy to this idea where we're it's gathering matter. The collective and, human focus and to this idea. And we're, yeah. we're making it real and we're making it a problem. And that's exactly what it's designed to do so that we can be controlled. So I agree with, with all of that, mm-hmm. 100% minus, I'm not 100% sold, it's part of a master plan. I don't understand it as a master plan, but more as a step, an uh, evolutionary step. That's what I was getting at. Do you think it's like a, something that would inevitably happen and it's, it's a mix of human greed and emotions, or is it someone who's like, I have an a, a, a end game, a scenario I want to play out for the human race. And we're trying to manipulate things to go this direction. That's where I'm like, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent. I don't know if I'm convinced that someone has that much influence over the world. I don't. Yeah. The, the fact that, um, they were, let's talk about Utah for a sec. So coronavirus hit and, and I can talk about coronavirus in detail because peak pandemic, I've been a cancer patient and I've been in and out of the fucking largest hospital in, in the country and yeah. there's nothing to report on coronavirus, bro. So yeah, I know it's predictive programming. And then wait, wait. You're saying while you were in LA, yeah, you didn't see much outbreak. coronavirus stuff no, happening. It's bullshit. All you is it possible that they're like in a different building, a different wing? You would have never seen that traffic. I mean, hospitals are huge. Yeah, and there's there's not an influx of coronavirus patients. I mean, there's people coming in for the coronavirus, obviously that are sick that would have came in for the flu anyways. Hmm. And I know, I know it kills people, and I know, and yeah, I'm people, open to the idea. If people, if, if if people take the coronavirus seriously and they attract enough energy to that, that's what it's designed for. Yeah, and and Paul Check is a guy I look up to a lot. He's kind of friends with Shervine, the guy I was talking about earlier that made the um, Shilajit product um, and all the other liposomal formulas that I take that kind of got me back on my feet, quite literally. Um, Paul Check talks about, you know, coronavirus being that combination of that idea, you know, w- along with, with tech where um, it can destroy humanity. When you cover up your face, you're disrupting your heart brain coherence as well. And yeah, when you're avoiding other people, that's that's how you're robbing. And when you're putting plexiglass in between everyone, that's that's the writing on the wall for me, man. And I I called I called coronavirus being programmed. They're, they're oh, the, so you're the saying government? Yeah, the I guess government. what you're saying is 
the government and 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 it's a globalist agenda. I do think it's common sense that there are people out there. And the fact that a vaccine just came out after after Biden um, was president-elect, announced president-elect by the mass media, not surprised. Wasn't Trump saying we we're going to have a vaccine by November anyway? <sighs> yeah, he says he he's, yeah, he sa- he says a lot of things, but 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 I I see the agenda playing out in real time with crystal clear perfection. Okay. Like the the way the the fact that the Joe Biden supposed to get in as president, keep coronavirus, keep everything locked down. Then they're going to come out with a universal basic income. Yeah, it's all designed for globalism so that we can maintain the population instead of having a free and independent country, USA. So you're saying the the goal of, in your mind, the goal of this agenda that coronavirus is a part of is to keep population down? Yeah, that's perfect. The mass media hyped up coronavirus as this horrible thing. So that the economy would shut down so that we could blame everything on Trump, have our race, race war and or not a race war, but, you know, the BLM movement and everything else like that and really get people riled up. You know, so I've been I know, I know, yes. I know, I know how everything is amplified w- with the media and everything because I've done it myself. I've ran numbers. Well, to that part, I 100% agree with because yeah. I have made my living amplifying shit on exactly. gaming the Internet. So yeah. I know that's a real thing. And, and, I, and it's pattern recognition. Too. Yeah, it's like, you know, you, you, you can only recognize so many things until you realize what's going on and 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 i don't i i know i've been wrong at times but when it comes to this i call it from the beginning and i paid very close attention to it and i'm always on the internet i'm on the internet all the time and i i take in information from everywhere man taking it i i read the conspiracy theories on 4chan you know i've Fucking, uh, I'm on every conspiracy subreddit, you know, all that. And, and what, what is your method methodology yeah. for discerning between legit conspiracy and not? Cause I have a hard time with that. And, and so does Joe Rogan when he has Alex Jones on his podcast. And I definitely have found out that a lot of conspiracies, especially when it comes to like QAnon and like, you know, all, all I think QAnon is a, like a CIA op. Yeah. It makes sense to me. It would, like, actually I say this, I think it could be. I Based was into, on historical precedent. I was into like a lot of the old like JFK shooting conspiracy theories. I was a big 9-11 conspiracy theorist back in the day. We all kind of grew up with that. Yeah. That's the first one that made me start thinking about yeah. possibilities. Yeah. And then when I learned the Gulf of Tonkin, which got us into the Vietnam War, it was a legit false flag attack. And like, okay, so that makes 9-11 to me seem plausible because we've done this before. Yeah. So we've used this tactic before. Also, look at Hollywood too, putting out all the zombie movies. Just, just all these, all these signals from the media uh, and everything on the internet. You know, kind of, kind of taking us away from humanity. You know, all the zombie movies. You know, everybody. You know, Walking Dead. You know, everybody walking around on their phones, not paying attention. You know, covering their faces. You know, re- you know, removing their identity. I agree that all of these things take away our humanity. They make it harder for us to connect to each other. They, they they fuck up our the way we've been communicating and gathering sense of the world for yeah. millions of years. I agree with all of that. I just don't know if like it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea that this is all part of some group's plan. Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't. I don't want to say I know what it is. I just want to say I know that it's, it is. You know where you you see where the the ship is heading, yeah. But you don't know what like who owns the ship or if it, yeah. Yeah, I see us all just being mindless consumers, just 
addicted to technology and yeah, this is an attention to co- i mean attention is the new oil oh i know and I've... we're gonna mine the fuck out of it until we're all dead exactly yeah yeah i do agree with that yeah i mean that's what i do i i make money off attention yeah and like i also recognize that like it's not a great i mean i guess it depends on how like i sell leads to service-based businesses so like a lot of these people mm-hmm. need a service and i just like connect the two um but really i'm just stealing someone's attention getting their information and then giving that information to someone who wants to supply yeah, you're just a you're just a traffic switcher yeah yeah that's tight I'm like a net or like i don't know how to explain yeah. yeah and then sometimes it's, i have some sites that are just adsense sites so it's like i get the, the the traffic and the attention from somewhere and then you try to get them to click you know click on an ad or something and get your five cents yeah whatever but just do that bajillions of is it it's like it's I have mixed feelings about it because I do agree that unless we learn, unless we adapt and figure out a way to like balance out the fact that like our brains are being manipulated, manipulated in ways, but we it's it's happening now. Yeah. So either we're going to figure it out or we're not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and like I said, I I just kind of tie it all into like a globalist agenda because that makes the most sense. But I don't want to say I know that's what it is. I just want to say I know that it is. Yes. And, 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 and that's, it's essentially a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a web that we can't see that's being, that's being covered over us. Yeah. I guess the question is, was this like an unfortunate accident? We created the internet, we created and it, and it's like, maybe that, some people are taking advantage of it to try to. I, I think that's the next part of human evolution. Yeah. Is just merging with AI, unfortunately. So you you take the Rogan approach, which is like that's our point. Is we're yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah, evolved, yeah. That's what I've we're heard him mention do. that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's talked to some people, you know, that kind of say kind of the same sentiments as what I mentioned. And yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board with like that's the next step, and that's inevitable. He uses the analogy where like a butterfly in the cocoon. And AI, sure. AI is like the next yeah, step. Yeah, sure. Hybrid, Android, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm 100% on board with that. I do think that's coming. I mean, speaking of media, that's been in pop culture. Artificial intelligence, oh, robots, yeah. androids. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're... What about aliens? I know I've been texting you yeah, about aliens. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we had me watch that uh, documentary. Funny enough, you mentioned it uh, back when it comes to selling. Uh, I was in Roswell, dude. And when I was out selling in Roswell, um, we were staying at a cheap little hotel and I was knocking doors selling security systems and I went to the fucking museum, checked out the crash um, uh, memorabilia that was there and I've been fucking on board with aliens and all that ever since fucking uh, science came out, bro. <laughs> like, you remember that shit? I do remember I, I lived on a cornfield and I remember I watched a bootleg copy of that when I was in middle school and I had a cornfield fucking behind my house. It freaked you the shit out. That was the scariest feeling I've ever had. <laughs> and even before that, I was scared of aliens. I remember, I, I have early, early memories of being scared of aliens. Yeah. Um, especially with, I think this show was called like UFO or Sight Unseen or something like that. I remember there being this UFO show on television where they talked about UFOs and had camcorder footage of like the Phoenix Lights and fuck, dude. Yeah. I've always been into UFOs, but yeah, I've been to Roswell, dude. Fuck. Yeah. Like what better fucking place to go to talk UFOs than somebody that's fucking, I've gone to Roswell, been to the museum. It's fucking dope. I've always kind of thought about aliens. And then now with new technology and them discovering, you know, similar planets to ours, you know, with water and, you know, water and other, other. They keep finding them closer. Exactly. Exactly. And I've always kind of been into like Carl Sagan, Mm -hmm. um, multiverse theory. Yeah. And And I also don't like him, man. I think we we probably both agree on. Our technology is. There's just too much weirdness. And there are others. When we started nuking 
that came to visit us. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that dates back to where I fucking grew up, man. Because that's when we, we started the nuclear age in my fucking backyard, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Way before I was born. And I was, yeah, I was unfortunately born there. I like the theory that there, that maybe the nukes. The nukes brought the aliens. Gave, cause, gave us some attention or, or yeah, got Because we attention. weren't only fucking with our planet. Yeah. And then uh, it's that documentary I sent you, you have still got to watch it, but I'll, I'll spoil one part of it because yeah. relevant to what you just said. The, uh, like the latter half. So the, the whole documentary essentially goes through and documents military sightings, both of our country and other countries. Oh, I saw the documentary. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, yeah. We, you talked about John Podesta. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck. That was the only thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, you're good. I just, um, the only thing I didn't like about the documentary was John Podesta. I've got my own conspiracy theory about Lincoln. And Park. I also don't like him, man. I think we, yeah, yeah. we probably both agree on just, there's just too much weirdness in those. The Chester Bennington Lincoln Park theory is too fucking good. If you guys want to tune into that, just type in Chester Bennington, uh, uh, John Podesta and have fun in the rabbit hole. Well, just his emails that were leaked by, and you, you Pizza find Gate, all the, that. like, I, you know, Pizzagate is. I've removed myself from all that though. I was into Pizzagate and, and QAnon for a while and. They're both, and then they're, Facebook moms. They're both over. bullshit. But there yeah. is something weird going on. I do like diving into any conspiracy theory. Yes, and I, 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 I'll, I'll be into them, and I like to dive down the rabbit holes and stuff, and then I come Decide, back to reality. Yeah. yeah, but like I still believe in aliens. I still know that technology is going to take over humans and turning us, turn us into something else for better or for worse. And I know that coronavirus is um, a step in that direction and it's part of control. And I, and I, I also came across uh, this other thing online. If you look at the song, this may seem whack as fuck, dude. But um, you look at the song Limp Biscuit Break Stuff and you look at the cover art where he's wearing a mask. I saw that. Come on. And he says no human contact. And if you interact, your life is on contract. Your best bet is to stay away, motherfucker. I honestly think that fucking Fred Durst in 99 got a little whiff of intuition and put that out there, dude, because these little things, oh, dude, yes, these, these, these little, these, these little things, man, are just signals in, in the universe that something's to come. And maybe, maybe people are just dropping hints in the way, but I think that's mine, bro. And that's, I can agree. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. I no, can, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh dude, he, 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 he saw the future or no, something. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm saying maybe, maybe he got, yeah, a little, what, maybe when he was writing those lyrics and that cover art came out for that song with the dude covering his face and them talking about no human contact and if you interact your life is on contract like yeah that was a little it's a little weird it's yeah. definitely a little weird and i do agree that i just saw that on twitter a week ago dude i think i actually saw that on your story yeah, you think yeah. you shared as where i saw it i do agree that like have you read ender's game you probably grew up oh with... yeah of course okay right so most mormon kids grew up because i'm Scott way Cook. yeah lds but i'm way more into uh what was that fucking shit called um uh ready player one yeah, Ender's Game. I didn't get that big into. I'll be honest. I, I watched. I watched the movie and I skimmed over the book. The movie can suck, suck <laughs> balls. But the point of bringing up Ender's Game, yeah. you, you may not remember, they didn't talk about it in the movie that much. They cut this whole plot thread out. But my point being that artists can tap in. They can see the future if they think about it, and it's almost like a, a creative exercise because they can kind of see patterns and where things are headed. Orson Scott Card came up with the internet and the internet being used to sway politics and pen names. And this is all in a scenario in Ender's Game where Ender's older brother and sister are manipulating Earth's politics online. And this this whole scenario, and it's like he wrote this book in like 80 something. Yeah. So and Fred Durst was a god, essentially, when he wrote the lyrics for Break Stuff. 
He was what? A god. A Fred, god. Yeah, Fred Durst. In 99, there was no one else. Oh, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no one else more powerful. He power- was top of the power, yeah. There was no one else more powerful than Fred Durst in 1999. Yeah, he was, he was at the peak of his fame. All fame, in my opinion. All, he wasn't that famous. In America, yes. In America? Maybe I'm underplaying. I mean, Limp Bizkit, I obviously knew them. There were songs were on the radio all the time. And, and if you look at the Woodstock footage from like year 2000 with Korn, you, the, 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 the population, the crowd, the time, that can never, ever happen again in human history. I do agree that I, there's been bigger concerts. There's been like bigger, th- but I'm saying like for that time, think of the intuition that that man had. Not being weird or not being like a big Fred Durst fanboy like I am, or getting like way into it. But yeah, maybe that was his glimpse into the future that he put in the lyrics. It's a humble man now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. People can creatively like see scenarios that might actually play out in the future. I think you're right. It comes down to who knows, dude. Who knows? Or you think he like tapped into? Do you have that opinion that creativity is where you tap into like some sort of out? source and your ideas come from somewhere else yeah i uh yeah i think when we go to sleep i think our subconscious sets up reality for us and i think subconsciously like dude i've always wanted to go viral growing up before i went 30 you know i I was able to do that you know because i always put so much energy into it you know and then once i did that kind of lost my bearings and stuff and that's when i got cancer and stuff and it's all just kind of been a weird journey dude but i do I can validate things, you know, I can put a stamp on things like, oh, you know, like nobody else has, you know, done these types of things. Other uh, Tons of people go viral. I have my buddy Big Doss TV that dressed up as Clay Thompson and, you know, was number one trending on Twitter, um, which is super cool. And then I had, you know, other buddies like, you know, Andrew Hells from out here in Utah that, you know, put out viral YouTube videos and, you know, was on the trending page of YouTube every week, you know, which is fucking crazy and let me do videos with him and stuff and got other friends that have done YouTube videos and everything else like that. And, you know, it's just crazy how my, my way of getting my fix for having something to leave behind was just a completely different path and it wasn't planned or anything. It just came totally natural. Kind of like the skateboarder guy, the fucking dude going down on the longboard. Obviously he's famous as fuck and he just did a commercial with Vivint, but the guy drinking the cranberry juice yeah, for the yeah, TikTok yeah. video. 420 dog face. Yeah. For, yeah. Dog face 420. Yeah. He, you know, just blew up and that's what TikTok is now. TikTok is now the new fame seeker. That's why everybody's on it. And it's owned by China. So I got my thoughts on that. But yeah, our attention spans are shrinking. We can't watch movies anymore. Movie theaters are going away. They are definitely probably gone. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude. I don't think they're coming back, nope, dude. they can't. Which sucks. I mean, that that makes me sad. I went and saw Tenet in theaters. And oh, I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. And there was only me and my brother in the theater. Yeah. And I just, like, I had this moment where... Talking about like putting pattern recognition. I just, my, me and my business partner call it your VR simulator. You run scenarios in your head and kind of like see how things could play out. Oh yeah. I had Oculus when it came out, by the way. <laughs> Oculus. When, when Oculus was first retail, I bought that shit. Day one. DK1? DK2? or the no, first, no, 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 no. The first. No DK shit. I said retail. Okay. When that shit dropped retail, fucking bought that shit. And I bought the freaking two handsets and the Robo uh, Cop game, Robo Recall. Holy fuck. That is the shit. <laughs> and I bootlegged every other game that came out and I played that shit for uh, like eight months and got bored as fuck. So it lasted eight months and you were done? Yeah. Had my fun. I don't like strapping shit on my head. Have you played Half-Life Alex? Heard all about it. Like I said, hey, everyone I, says it's the shit. I was doing, uh, bro, like I said, I got the retail version of Oculus and Robo Recall right when it came out and then I played all, all other sorts of shit. And um, yeah, I had my fun with Oculus and I just don't like having shit on my head, period. So it doesn't matter what comes out. 
Yeah. Bang. I forgot where we were going now. Bootlegging. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. That was tight. I, I remember I got the Oculus and I just started bootlegging every fucking new game that came out. And I was just running it on a cracked version of Steam. Yeah. What's your best VR game you've played? Robo Recall. Robo Recall. It's the fucking shit. If you haven't played Robo Recall on the Oculus, fix that. The shit. I remember seeing uh, like a bunch of footage for it. That was pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. It was that. That was the banger, bro. For for Oculus, that was the fucking uh, Super Mario World sixty four or whatever with the Nintendo sixty four. When that Robo Recall came out, the dude that sold me the Oculus at the Microsoft store when it first came out, he's like, "Bro, this is the shit. Bro, this is the shit. Take my six hundred dollars." <laughs> Yeah, I keep having. Speaking, I, I thought about getting an Oculus or get get the new Oculus. Yeah, get, get the, the new one. Let but me come over when you get it. I keep having. This <laughs> like I said, I don't. I, I don't like owning it, but I'll fuck around with one, dude. Yeah, yeah. I played the online games too. I haven't tried any though. I want to try them. The problem I keep running into is I have this USB resource problem with my PC. Oh yeah, and I'm like, and it's like. I look up the support articles I keep looking up to fix my problem. 99% of the people who have the same problem are running Rifts. Oh. And so I'm like, I already have this problem. And if I buy a Rift, I think I'm going to have like not be able to play it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I love, I love my Rift, dude. I, I had my fun with it and then got bored of it. Like the whole strapping thing on your head is just a process. And then you got to set the guard zone. Yeah. It's kind of a pain. Eh, way easier to pick up a controller and just grind. Damn, dude. Well, what's your favorite game of all time? Tough. Let me think. Oh, it has to be Call of Duty, right? Yeah, probably Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably Black Ops 2. Black Call Ops 2. That's the pinnacle of the franchise, in your opinion? FaZe Clan, FaZe Reign. That was what birthed all them. Now he's, unfortunately, drugged out. Got 3.3 million followers on Instagram. McLaren, <laughs> Tesla, Can't Walk, Overdosed on Drugs. Went to a hospital. They uh, were trying to get him off heavy, heavy amounts of painkillers, Xanax, and they uh, gave him an injection. Hit his sciatic nerve. Now he can't walk. Phase rain. Yeah. So much fame from playing video games that drugs destroyed his life and fame. Holy shit! Yeah, he's friends with rappers and all that. Yeah. Biggest or the biggest e-sports organization now. Phase clan. Just couldn't handle the, uh... yeah. Just the fame got to him. Man. Yeah, the fame, the drugs, the money. Yeah, I mean that's a story that's as old as time. Yeah, I mean anybody that knows who Phase Rain is, yeah, they know exactly what I'm talking about. That's a bummer. What uh? What's Another your... one just committed suicide. Another Another streamer, pro, pro Call of Duty player, pro Call of Duty player. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like the streaming, the competitive COD oh, yeah. scene is like not healthy or something, or is it just the like they're young, they get famous too young, here's, and they can't the handle thing. it. Here's the thing. Where they're, so with Fortnite, the average age was like 15 and 16. And that's because of their hand-eye coordination, their dexterity, and the fact that they don't have jobs, you know? Yeah. And so they're able to just play constantly. And, and, and any time you're not getting an ample amount of sunlight, any time you're not outside breathing fresh air, any time you're not grounded, that's going to affect your mental health on such a drastic level. And yeah, I've, dude, I've been a shut-in, man. A lot of my life, I've been shut-in playing video games so much, and that's been another layer on the cake that yeah. um, kind of zips up cancer. You know, It's like your brother talking about having a cell phone on him all the time. Another layer, man. Yeah. Eating, eating, uh, drinking alcohol, fucking, um, you know, any sort of nicotine, not nicotine, tobacco. Yeah, yeah. I get my ass kicked by these. 
Yeah, yeah. Nicotine, nicotine, you're okay, but yeah, the tobacco really the makes cancer. Yeah, tobacco is cancer fuel. I have noticed though the the nicotine pouches. I get super irritable when they oh, wear off. I super fucked, irritable. I fucked heavy with nicotine. Two thousand. I smoked cigarettes like when I was like twenty three. And then I started vaping like when I was like 24 and 25. And then I just went cold turkey. I trapped myself in my room with Adderall and weed for two weeks and just watched documentaries <laughs> and jacked off. I've been there. Yeah. But after my first summer selling in Boston, yeah. I basically, I, I leased a house. Because uh, you're so sick of human contact yes. interaction that you just lose yeah, fuck it. Fuck you. Yeah. I, I got my money and I smoked weed, read comic books and played video games for two exactly. years. And that's I've, all I did. I, I've done the same thing intermittently for too long and that's what got me caught in the windshield. So what's the plan moving forward? Obviously, you're going to keep selling, but yeah. just maintain all the lifestyle changes. Oh yeah. Maintain all lifestyle changes. Go outside every day. Take my vitamins every day. Um, be conscious of what I put in my body. Um, also, uh, I, I need to just detoxify myself from all the medications as well. The chemo, you know, just a lot of water, a lot of rest, a lot of exercise always. What do you do for exercise besides hiking? I roll out a lot. So I got a foam roller. I do a lot of standing yoga, um, because I can't really get down on my knees yet. And then, um, uh, also got, uh, some balance bars. So I'll do a lot of dips and I'll nice. do um, a lot of lifting with uh, the little door hanger. Okay. Pull-ups. Yeah. Know, do a lot of those too. So I do both dips and pull-ups are like things I do every day to yeah. kind of like maintain. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I mean, I don't have the cancer issue, but I do think sitting in front of a screen is killing me. It is. I, I can tell. Like, it is. Kind of like you were saying, you're feeling, I know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not a medical expert, but somehow yeah, I just know that it's killing me. It is. Yeah. There's all the science and data to back it yeah. up if you poke around. I don't know the science, but my, my bones tell me that it's killing me. So I've spent, that's one of the reasons I got into jujitsu. Like, I was just trying to, like, okay, I know I'm not going to, I can't switch careers and I love gaming. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in front I of I got computer. the solution for you. What? My homie, Michael Novotny, dude. A standing desk? No, dude. Check him out, bro. This is going to rock your world. I'm going to send him this podcast. This is Michael Novotny right here. Um, all right, check him out. That's him right there. Not too long ago. He has an elliptical gaming Twitch. All he does is get on the elliptical and play Portal 2 in Call of Duty. Oh, you're saying. Now. Now that actually kind of does make sense. How? Hey, hey, wait for it. Look at that motherfucker. Elliptical gaming, baby. He's lost a human. No shit. That's all from while he plays games, he, he rides he, the elliptical. He games and he's on the elliptical all day. Dude. And he's lost. I could fit elliptical right here. Yeah. He has lost a I human. Could. That's the solution. Give up the keyboard and mouse. Grab that fucking elite controller. No, that's all I use. I don't and even play with the keyboard yeah, and mouse. Yeah, and you're good. Raise, raise that up. I got to raise that up a little bit. Yeah. And you're golden, dude. And maybe a bit bigger display because you need to be farther away. You're golden, dude. That's what he does. And he's fucking crushing life like a motherfucker. Yeah. He's, he is leaned way down. He lost an entire human, dude. Insane. All from gaming on the elliptical. Fucking he's no bro. diet changes. Just gaming on the elliptical, bro. I'm sure he did some diet changes and shit, but he's the fucking shit. Holy cow. I'm going back to that original pick. Yeah. He lost a fucking human, dude. He did lose a human. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty big, and now he looks like a small guy. Yeah, fucking tight, dude. Elliptical gaming, bro. That's the solution. <laughs> Elliptical gaming. Yeah. 
Do we need to make one that's like the problem is is having that giant ass elliptical machine in here when I don't want to use it a podcast playing yeah, music maybe have it on wheels or not wheels but have it on a don't, don't they don't they fold the carpet, up yeah have it like a little maybe a little carpet slider on there you know so you can kind of like put put it up on the carpet when you just slide it they make little carpet sliders or like yeah you know what I mean yeah have something have something hybrid dude so like you tuck it in right maybe there. tuck it in the closet you can tuck it in right yeah. there and then you can kind of slide it out right here and then get up and you can game on it with a controller all fucking day and you can lose a shit ton of calories and maintain perfect health just go outside and breathe some fresh air yeah i definitely go outside a lot I, so yeah that would be good because i try to balance by working out i yeah. hit the bag lifting also <laughs> also pay attention to the blue light coming from your screen too I've installed nightshades. I have yeah, flux. Flux, yeah, on my computer. And now it's called Nightlight. Um, yeah. So before Nightlight came out, it was now Flux. It, or Bef- flux turned into Nightlight okay, on yeah, Windows yeah. 10, and then I also run it on uh, my iPhone now, which is huge. Um, and and yeah, we don't realize how much all this shit is fucking us up. It really is. Maybe, um, I and agree. I, and I want to attest to that as a cancer patient. Um, yeah, it's important to recognize that, um, yeah, staring at a computer screen is extremely detrimental to your health. Um, uh, not moving around is extremely detrimental to your health in drastic, drastic ways that can end up killing you way earlier in life than you expect. Yeah, I mean, when they think of it now, just like we were talking about of Corona and it, like in in the social dilemma and like it's already ha- all this shit is already happening. It's unfolding right before, and we're eyes. dealing with it in real time. And some yeah. people are figuring it out. And there's casualties. I mean, there's the American, the average health of the average American is not great, from what I can gather. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that's due to the modern American diet too. The sad the diet, diet, yeah, the sad diet, standard American diet. When I think about what I ate as a kid growing up, I mean, my parents shit. didn't know any better. Shoveled. I don't know how shit. I don't have cancer. Top ramen and top ramen and mac and cheese, man. Top ramen, mac and cheese, microwave burritos. Yep. Yeah. Everything shit. covered in ranch. Shit. Cookies. Oh, uh, remember the fucking the the cheese, like the pressurized cheese that came out of the bottle. Yeah, cheese whiz. Cheese whiz and crackers. Fucking the goofy movie. Yeah, that motherfucker. A leaning tower of cheese. Uh, that yeah. was the shit, dude. I had so much cheese whiz, and that shit is probably not even technically food. No, it's anything, edible. Anything product. ending, anything ending with eight on a nutrition label, you want to fucking avoid. And it's almost, it's really hard, dude. But like, yeah, dude, I'm like. I, I can go to Trader Joe's now and I can just start ripping stuff off the shelves and telling you it's, it's horrible for you. All because of Shervine, dude. This guy I follow, man, I just, I I follow him like he's the goddamn prophet now, you know, like everything he does, I follow to a T and that's what's gotten me bouncing back 100%. I'm going to have to have you uh, send me that guy's info. I'll start poking oh, around. 100%, man. He's the healthiest individual in the world. Yeah. Sweet, dude. Was there anything else you want to cover? That's it, bro. I mean, I want to talk games, just kind of get a peek. Like I said, the reason I wanted you on for so long, by the way, for the listeners, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for like over a year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but you're always, because you're being in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. For like a day and be like, well, I'm leaving. Yeah, and I've been, I've been, I've been bugging him about being on the podcast for probably a year. And the reason why is, well, what's your Instagram? Tell people your Instagram. My Instagram is K E B U L A T R. Keb later. Keb you, Keb you later. Keb you later. I just don't have a yeah anything in between the T and the R. I don't know how to describe Keb to people. I just say like, go to his Instagram. You'll get it. Like he's just. I've always found your lifestyle super interesting. You're rogue. like a nomad. Rogue, yeah, nomad. Very yeah, much. You're so. a nomad. So I, I, I own it 100%. I haven't had a vehicle since uh, 2014. I haven't owned a car. I like it. There's Uber, something. Uber, Lyft, public transportation, flying. That's it. There's something sexy and romantic about the way you live. Like mm. almost, uh, maybe it's the fight club part where it's like, you're kind of like, I'm not going to follow the system. 
Exactly. I'm going to find my own way. Exactly. Yeah, there's something sexy like to that energy. And that's yeah. honestly why I've stalked you. And we've been homies forever. But yeah. I kept stalking you because it was like, yeah. look at this motherfucker. Like, what is he up to? His life seems interesting. I want to talk. Uh, I think closing up, I want to talk about the motherfucking Dreamcast real quick. So we never fucking mentioned that. <laughs> Jet Set Radio on the fucking Dreamcast was my favorite game on my favorite console of all time. And that's how I live my life nowadays. Like a fucking jet set radio guy. <laughs> I fuck, I'm in LA, dude. I'm on the streets. Yeah. I, I'm fucking, I'm not tagging shit, but I wish I was. But yeah, dude, I, I, I guess if I were to sum up my life, I would say fucking jet set radio on the fucking Dreamcast. That's, I just fucking skate around, bro. There's a lot of people that think it's the greatest console of all time and they have a good argument. I'm with them, bro. I fucking love my Dreamcast. Yeah, it was, uh, we skipped over that one. That's why I had to. Um, I know. And it was the there. problem with the Dreamcast, like kind of with your life. It was almost, the Dreamcast was too ahead of its time. So ahead of its time, dude. And that was the problem. Like we weren't, people weren't ready necessarily. Yeah, the, 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 the PS2 just outplayed them. Yeah. The DVD thing. Yeah. It's the DVD thing, dude. That, yep. I mean, 100%. Shit. They even had a version of Windows on the Dreamcast. It was sick. Yeah. But I, I'd have to say, I just had to get the Dreamcast in there before we wrapped it up. If you ever uh, get the itch to play a Dreamcast game, there's an emulator called Redream. Oh, okay. That is like, it's 10 bucks for a lifetime. Like, oh, I yeah? paid them. It is the most solid emulator I've ever played. Okay. It plays every Dreamcast game basically perfect. 4K. Shenmue? Like, what? You remember Shenmue? Oh, yeah. Shenmue. I fucked with Shenmue a little yeah. bit. They had just came out. Shenmue 3. I never I played it, but... I heard I heard about it, and I got I got a little tickle, but then I was like, nah, I can't yeah. play like... It's too archaic of a like yeah. a, a, a style of game. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with retro games. I, I get a miniature version of what you were saying about Warzone and Battle yeah. Royale. I'll go back to retro games that don't have like modern conveniences. Mm-hmm. Like, being, like they're the slow, or the text is slow, and you can't speed text... Little things, and I'm like, I can't fucking do this. Yeah. I don't have the time. I don't. I don't have the, the patience. Um, I think the future of gaming for me might be ditching my PC, picking up the Xbox One, uh, the S. Series X. No, the S. The remember, S. Remember, I want all digital. I wanna, yeah, yeah, and then I'll I'll uh, I'll just pair that up with my um with with like a portable TV, and uh, I'll I'll play Cyberpunk 2077 until that shit. Dude, why don't up. you just do Stadia? Oh yeah, I don't fuck with Stadia. Have you tried it? Yeah, I don't fuck with I don't fuck with streaming. I gotta have it on my hardware. Um, I had a guest on like two weeks ago that okay. said his Stadia is awesome. It works awesome. That's cool, man. He's probably got awesome internet. I, he does. I, 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 Your I, internet speed is not consistent. No, yeah. no, I can't fuck with any of that i i've i've always had like uh when when um i was fucking people up when they uh saw that i was playing fortnite on the phone before it ever came on the app because i was running it on my uh I have an app called Moonlight on my iPhone. Yeah, Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was doing that shit and playing Fortnite on my phone and people were just fucked up because it hadn't <laughs> came out yet. And I'm like, yo, I'm playing it early. And they're like, no fucking way. How are you doing? I'm like, oh, dude, I got an early version. Totally lying out of my ass. Just fucking with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I was playing Fortnite from my computer on my phone with the Moonlight app through Steam or the, uh, because they, it, Moonlight makes your uh, NVIDIA software think it's the um, shield. Yeah. yeah. And basically, yeah, it's like a shield emulator. And that's the shit for me. Yeah. That's yeah. the most I'll do with a streaming game. Otherwise, I got to have that shit on my hardware. And Xbox One X uh, or Xbox One S is so fucking small and portable. And I'll get a fucking nice little uh, like 120 hertz display or maybe even figure out how to hook it up to like an iPad Pro. And uh, play Cyberpunk 2077. That'd be the shit. No, I get it. I get a native display. Not you and I are Pro. probably going to be messaging because that 
when that game comes out, I'm taking work off for like two weeks. There was a meme I just posted. What will come out first, Cyberpunk 2077 or the coronavirus vaccine? And the vaccine <laughs> fucking beat it, dude. All of it relates back, bro. <laughs> yeah, that game, yeah, it's going to take over my life. Um, Same. That's it. Catch you later on Instagram. I'll put podcast links in the description. If you want to see, peek into the life of a true like digital nomad, check his Instagram out. Also, do you post, I mean, I, I haven't seen you post a ton of like the health stuff. You kind of don't post about oh, that. Oh yeah, I do. On my story. You do? Mm-hmm. All the time. Maybe Instagram knows that I like, like your other shit and- Oh yeah? I don't Algorithm know. Algorithm redirects you? I actually, now I think about it, I see your stories the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw up Symbiotica and Shervine333 as, as well as Paul Check okay. as far as like health gods. Well, all that shit will be on his Instagram. Thanks for coming in, man. Anytime.